Good evening, everyone. It is Game Face episode 35, Matt. 35. It's a nice round number. I just can't believe that we've done 35 episodes. Like, this, the time, the period of time from when we launched a show on YouTube at first to now, to me, feels like a a few months. Like, it's been eight months, nine months. Well, it's been almost a year. Yeah, yeah, I guess it has. Because we, we started <laughs> Actually, before the site launched. Oh, way before, yeah, um, like a month and a half before. Originally, it, was, it wasn't supposed to work that way. We right. were supposed to do like two or three episodes and then launch the site. Mm-hmm. The site launch dragged on until it just it launched <laughs> like right before E3, so. No, I, well, it doesn't seem as short to me because I've done more jobs. Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> you started working the TriCast, yeah. you're not even the host, so. But, uh, yeah, I think if you, if you just eclipsed... The number of episodes tricasting versus being a co-host? Yeah, because I started around 16, yeah. I think. So, yeah, we, we would have probably just... The last one probably got you yeah. over the, the top. So, yeah, here we are for the 35th episode of Game Face. Hard to believe we've gotten here already. Um, actually, if you count some of our specials in there, like you count like the episode, the Lost episode yeah. and our Draft episode. The game of the Year. The, yeah, Game yeah. of the Year stuff. That didn't count as a numbered episode. So uh, it's been a good week on the site. We launched a brand new show this week, Matt, called Platinum Journey. Yeah. The show I was talking about on the show before. I didn't really guys give you guys a hint on what it was. It has gone over extremely well. Um, honestly, the view count per comments for that show, it may be the highest thing we've ever published mm-hmm. at Sifted. Um, as far as the number of people that viewed it and then actually had comments for it, uh, it's been really impressive. So yeah. it seems well, it like... That double- the double whammy of good internet content, which is like, hey, this is a good idea, and then you watch it, and you're like, hey, I don't hate the guy who's doing this. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a that's a that's a that's a wall. It in, is in, for sure. In uh, you know online content, sometimes like you know you've got a really good idea, but you don't have the right person presenting it, and I think you've yeah. got both of those things. Yeah, Adam's a real good guy. I've been in contact with him for literally months. We wanted to launch the site with his show, and I kind of mentioned this uh, on the last episode that uh, he ended up getting some other job and couldn't do it. And then reapproached me a few weeks ago, and we made it happen. So, if you've not watched the show yet, I know a lot of people come to Sifted and just watch Game Face. If you've not watched the new show yet, I highly recommend it. Um, it's kind of a cross between Let's Play, Strategy, and mm-hmm. Strife. I think is the yeah. best way to describe it. It does kind of go into the uh, the pain and the insanity of of getting all the achievements or all the trophies and something. You really feel it too whenever he's worked really hard to try to get a trophy. And there's that weird pause that happens, like, after you think you've done it, and mm-hmm. you're waiting for the little icon to like, pop well? up. well? Yeah. Like, the show captures yeah. that perfectly. Um, we've wanted to try to do a different spin on Let's Play content since the beginning of the site. And uh, I feel like that really does it. it. It builds intrigue. It has something more than just watching someone play a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a goal involved other than just finishing the game or finishing the stream or whatever. So. And it's maybe par- a part of the game that a lot of people don't see. Yeah. Because you know, I don't think a lot of people go for the Platinums. Yeah. On like, a I played basis. Dishonored, but I didn't experience a lot of the stuff that he experienced in that first episode because I right. just never went for the trophies. So. And we had some people complaining, saying, oh, why? Where's the Xbox show? Some people have been like, oh, it's a PlayStation show because it's called Platinum Journey. Uh, the truth of the matter is is that a lot of the games that they're going to play are third-party games that are available on all platforms. He just happens to play on the PlayStation. It's not a PlayStation show. And it's, uh, just you know, more, I never it's dream- also more convenient that, like, <laughs> you know, you get a Platinum trophy if you do everything Right. On a PlayStation version, yeah. you, there isn't anything for like equivalent of a platinum yeah. trophy on a, you know. I guess you could call it like thousand out of a thousand 
journey. <laughs> yeah. or so, I mean, not I'm quite just, as catchy. <laughs> no, it's it's good. I, mean, I don't I don't see any reason why it couldn't be Xbox yeah. at some point. Or Xbox fans don't take it personally. You're going to see him playing through the same games that you're going to play through, and chances are achieving the same exact achievements that you're going to achieve on Xbox as well. So. Yeah. This isn't a, a site for choosing platforms. Sifted is no. about loving games, and it isn't about like yeah. Xbox versus PlayStation. Sifted is about that Xbox and PlayStation sweater people uh, coming. You see that picture? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> and all the people on Twitter like losing their minds about uh, how, how they like their their company of choice who betrayed them. Yeah, exactly. Oh. So, that's not what Sifted that's is about. Weird, it's guys. about us sharing our love of games, no matter what platform they're on. Whether they're on a platform that's twenty years old, they're on the PC, handheld, whatever. We're all just one Ooh. tribe on Sifted. So it's been a good week. The show launched better than I had hoped it, it would. I, I thought people were going to like it, but they've liked it even more than I anticipated. So that's always a good mm-hmm. thing. So I think we've dispensed with all the niceties. Yeah. Well, except uh, we are a little late because I was sick earlier this week. Uh, and I'm mostly fine, but like there might be some coughing. Yeah, a little, a little bit. Between right? the two of us, it has been a yeah. rough start yeah. to the year. First, it was me, and I was sick for like eight days. <laughs> he actually fought it off in just a few days, which leads me to believe he did not have what I had, or he has like crazy yeah. immune system. Uh, it's the latter. Yeah. Trust me, it's where my allergies come from. But, gotcha. But it was. I mean, I haven't had a cold in probably six or seven years. Wow. And like this was bad. Yeah. Like this was not fun. Eh, like, even, like I said on Twitter, like I literally felt like dead. Like I super. I believe that's one of the reasons I believe it is what you had because like it sucked. It really. Does. Like, it really sucked. It was over faster for me, but, like, yeah, not good. Now, my girlfriend has it, and she is about as sick as I've ever seen her. So, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. And it's going around L.A. Like, everybody knows people that have this thing at this point. So well, the good news uh, I think is, you brought it back from the East Coast. We're, I think I did. We're, we're not immune to these disgusting <laughs> East Coast diseases. So. Uh, well, the good news is we both got sick. <coughs> and so we probably shouldn't <coughs> get sick again until... Yeah, we should be good for a while. Yeah, we should at least be good Famous till e- last words. through E3 probably. Yes, when it's E3 brings all new diseases from around from the world. From all around the world, yeah. yeah. I don't usually get sick from, from E3. I, do, I have gotten uh, the PAX plague yeah. a couple of times. I think. Oh, I've got sick from E3. I've got um, sick from every trade show at this point. <laughs> Tokyo Game Show. Oh, all Tokyo Game Show I got sick from. Oh, Tokyo Game Show is one of the worst ever. I was... Man, Even though they wear the masks in no, Japan. Oh, yeah, but like being sick with like a hundred-something degree fever in another country, like just... Oh, it's the Sucks. worst, especially Japan, where you feel like a total like outsider. Yeah. Well, also you're looking for it's like, don't you just have juice yeah. somewhere? Like, well, also orange juice costs like ten dollars. Yeah, a it's glass, very so. And you're, I'm buying it out of the hotel yeah. store because I can't. I'm too sick to go anywhere else. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're okay now. He's almost okay. He's almost there. But we should be good to go for at least the first half of 2016. So you should be getting episodes. Every week without fail, but right yeah, we now, really wanted it to be a more regular schedule than you've been <laughs> sticking to so far. But right now, we're here for episode 35 and we're ready for the big six. So, Matt, lots of little stories. The news mm-hmm. actually is really starting to flood in at this point. I saw uh, one of the writers for Venture Beat, Dean Takahashi. We both know him very well, yeah. he's been in the industry for forever. Uh, he tweeted the other day. Okay, I wrote eight stories today, and I have another seven to get done before tomorrow. Everything's back to full speed now. Mm. And I do really feel like this week, really, everything got back to full speed. There was a big day on Sifted today, by the way. Lots of big trailers. A Doom story trailer. Not our trailer of the week. <laughs> also a uh, uh, Mirror's Edge story trailer. Yeah. Also not our trailer of the week. 
Um, so it's been a big day in media. Just actually this whole week has kind of there's been big stuff every single day. Some big releases as well we're going to talk about on the show today. But for the first topic, we're going to kind of round up a bunch of smaller stories that really didn't warrant its own topic in the big six, but they're things that we want to talk about. So first thing we're going to talk about is NBA 2K16. NBA players love the tattoos. They're all tatted up. They're all mm-hmm. shirted, sleeved, whatever you want to call it. So this week, some guys who did tattoos for LeBron James decided to sue 2K for $1.1 million for not licensing the tattoos <laughs> that they did on LeBron James for the game. Now, a little bit of backstory. Apparently, the tattoo, the, the tattoo artist had reached out to 2K before they launched the game and said, hey, we're going to tell you right now, you know, we quote unquote own the rights to those tattoos. And if you don't play ball with us and pay the licensing fee, we're going to sue you. 2K basically said, F off. We'll do what we want to do. And they did. And they released the game without paying the royalty fee. And so now they have sued 2K for $1.1 million, I might add. Matt, how do you feel about that? Like, I have a tattoo. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that, like, if I ever go on camera in, like, a tank top or whatever, that, like, I owed the guy who did the tattoo, like, literally 18 or 20 years ago money for that? I mean, No, it does not. And that's why this is... I mean... It's not a frivolous lawsuit because, like, there's probably precedent to be made out of this lawsuit because no one's ever tried this before. I've never heard of this in Um, any realm. But the main thing about it is um, it's not going to, in my opinion, as someone from a very legal family... Are they going to sue us now for showing these tattoos over and over again? (laughs) No, because they would sue sue, uh, 2K because they're the ones I was just joking. But but the thing is, like, from being someone from a legal family... Uh, the main problem here is that if if they were to win this case, the implication is exactly what you say. You no longer have full control over your own likeness rights. Your body. Right. So uh, the implication there would be that, like, say Mike Tyson wants to be on TV. He has a facial tattoo. He Can he not go on TV right. unless clearance is made for the ta- guy who made the tattoos on his face? No, that doesn't make any sense. Like, they're his, it's his face. And it's his appearance. And really funky, too, because it's like, you know... You can like, copyright the artwork. Like, maybe no one else could tattoo that on someone. Like, maybe, like, someone else taking that design and making it part of their tattoo repertoire as a tattoo artist could be infringement. But once it's on a person... Like you can't you can't claim ownership of that, and also the canvas changes. Oh yeah. Like the colors change, the skin changes, the skin dies, the skin the tattoo renews, ends up looking it like fades. It, you, know, <laughs> it, you can't always claim it's the exact same thing. So it just it's it's it, it's silly, but it's also like I understand why they said, hey, why not? Let's try it. You know. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, and they probably the, found a lawyer who took the case for free, yeah, and we'll just and, take a cut of whatever they get. And on top of that, they're uh, probably just looking for an out of court settlement, probably. Or you know, and I don't know if they'll get it uh, because I th- I feel like I mean, two K may just might decide to, to just that. litigate it. I don't um, know though because, but I think they would win. I think two K would definitely win, and it would establish a precedent so someone couldn't do this again, yeah. which would be in two K's interests. Because a lot of um, tattoos, I mean, look at like you brought up the tattoo on Tyson's face. It's just like kind of a generic like tribal symbol. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you? Anybody could have drawn that. Like, how do you copy... Yeah, but that's true of a lot of modern art, so... Yeah. I, and the bigger issue for me, though, is really the amount of money they're asking for. Mm-hmm. $1.1 well, million. The other problem is, like... Does anybody buy did, that game because they like... Oh, look, well, LeBron's no. tattoos. Well, also, like, you're, you're suing off of something like this. You're suing off of damages from lost revenue, which is, like, the implication being that 1.1 million people didn't pay that tattoo artist 
because they saw the tattoos right, in, right. Anything, in the video game. I, I doesn't. Like, if anything, or, or them they, seeing his tattoos in the game might, if people mm-hmm. are really into that kind of thing, will make them go Google LeBron's tattoos, find out the studio that did his tattoos, and then go to them. They would actually make money. Well, and that money. might also be part of the things. Like, everybody knows who made LeBron's tattoos now, don't they? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like That I, might be the only outcome they're after here. But they wouldn't win in that case. Because well, it doesn't matter if they win because they just back out of it now, everybody. Yeah, they have their publicity. Yeah. I but, like, I mean, we'll see well, how they it actually sh- have the publicity already because we're talking yeah. about it. We're not mentioning the actual tattoo studio. We'll see how it shakes out. But, it, I mean, it's, it's again, it's like it's not frivolous because it's not some. I don't think, as far as I know, it's not something that has a precedent where you can just say, no, this case decided that doesn't apply, so shut up. Yeah. But I don't think they'd win it if it went to trial. I think 2K might litigate this, though. Because I would if I was them because you're gonna win. You don't want right, you're gonna win and you don't want to set the precedent because right. if you if you just pay these guys off, because what these guys are looking for is like they asked for one point one. What they're really looking for is like three hundred grand. Right. They're like, okay, they'll talk us down, we'll get that down to three hundred grand and mm-hmm. that's a huge payday for a freaking tattoo artist. Right. Like that's probably what that guy would make in like three years, like a really good tattoo artist. So well, if you're a LeBron's tattoo artist, you're probably doing all right. No, you're right. You're probably getting paid pretty well. Yeah. But I, I, I imagine years, he goes to Either he, I would imagine he either goes to some pretty high end dude, or that dude became high end because he did right. LeBron's yeah, work. Because he put his photos of LeBron up on his right. website or social media or whatever. But so. one way or the other, it's like it's it, you know no one's going to turn down three hundred grand. Exactly. So, um, but I you know maybe that'll happen. But if I was two K, I would certainly. I mean, I'm obviously not a lawyer, and I am not two K's lawyer by any means. But uh, I would. Consider taking it as far, taking the litigation as far as I could in this, in the name of like not letting this happen again. Yeah. Because then you can just point to this precedent and be like, no, it doesn't work that way. Go away. Yeah. Because otherwise you just you know the, the op, you know I'm not saying it would happen, but you have the possibility of being extorted again by other tattoo artists to say, oh, that guy, that guy got to pay out, so I'm going to go right. threaten them next year. That's what I'm saying. You can't let that precedent be set. That's yeah. why you have to take it to court and fight it. And they would win, I think. I would think so. So the next thing we're going to talk about, and I feel like this uh, this topic for the Big Six should have been called like frivolity, because here's another <laughs> frivolous sort of legal issue. So this mm, YouTube I don't know cha- about that. You don't know about that. No. Well, go on. All right. Go so on. there's a YouTube channel called Fine Brothers. They are the most popular channel for what is called React videos, which are videos of people reacting to games, movies, trailers, Basically, somebody whatever. saw PewDiePie and decided to take the hook out of it and make right. that their whole thing. Well, I mean, you can go back even further to movie trailers from the 60s, 70s. Hell, even today you still get mm-hmm. them, where they show the audience right. in the theater reacting to the movie as part of the movie's trailer. And so basically what happened is these the Fine Brothers decided that they were going to trademark the word... React. The mm. verb react. They're trying to trademark a verb. And a bunch of other... Th- I mean, it was a bunch of other things, too. Well, they're also... Kids react and elders react. No, they already have those. They had those. They have like, to believe that. They had a whole list of stuff yeah, they yeah. wanted. I cannot believe, by the way, that they have those trademarks already for kids react and, mm. like, elderly react. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because we don't say that. That's the thing. It's like... It's, it's like how uh, uh, Sony uh, failed to trademark right. Let's, Let's Play. Let's Play, yeah. Because... Let's play is too common a phrase, whereas like kids re, you know, we, you and I might say let's play pretty often or multiple times in a given day, depending yeah. on what we're doing. Whereas like we are probably not going to say kids react or elders react very often. But so we it's not use, as we use the word phrase. react, yeah, many times per day. That's probably not going to ha- was not probably going to happen. But um, react as like a brand thing could 
potentially get there. It's the thing is like they they had a shot. I think I think some of the stuff they applied for they could have gotten, and uh, they really well, only the angle they really too. only backed off because the internet freaked out on them. They started losing like ten thousand subscribers a minute or something. They lost two hundred thousand subscribers in a day. Which, That's a lot. which, when your YouTube channel has 11 million subscribers, you're like, what? Yeah, they're like 13 million or something. <laughs> it's insane. It was like, but so, still, that's a chunk. Again, yeah. even if you have $13 million, you don't want 300,000 of it to just walk out the door. Yeah, that's true. So the other part of it was these guys were trying to set up like uh, their own network, like a React network, mm-hmm. where if you made React videos, you would sign up with them, and then they would take a cut out of like what you made off of your React videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Which to me is insane. Like, to me, it sounds like you know. On the one hand, it's like, okay, I see why you think that's a good idea because it would probably be a lucrative one. On the other hand, I'm like, did you think the internet was going to let you get away with that one? Did, did you think really that people wouldn't re- react to that <laughs> in a in a rather negative manner? Like, come on, like, you know, it, it goes back to like I don't know how much they stick to it anymore, but you know, Google's old motto: "Don't be evil." Right. Yeah. Like that's. Fucking, you know, I know they put out the statement that says like, "Oh, we never thought that it might." I, we realize now it might be taken the wrong way and could be used for wrong as a precedent, and so we're not going to do it. I'm like, bro, yeah. bros, fine, bros. <laughs> you knew what this was. Yeah, come fine on, bros. <laughs> and you didn't get away with it, so now you're backing off it. That's all it is. It's well, like, what happened was, I don't know if you saw it or not, but Mega sixty four did yes. an excellent, yes. and you know what, Mega sixty four is great. And I'm actually seeing it right now. Mega 64 is great at being like the internet police mm-hmm. because they have enough of a following that if they do something and they do it really well, it does spread like wildfire. And they just literally blew these people out of the water. Yeah. They're like, we're going to trademark shooting video outside. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while, Mega 64 does something to remind me that like they are one of the sharpest groups oh, yeah. working today in satire. Well, we used to work with them at GT. We had like an exclusive deal with them where they premiered like their episodes with mm-hmm. us. It lasted for like three or four years before it finally GT. Yeah. Just... Well, they bought a lot of goodwill with me off of that old the, the, one of their original videos, the Shenmue yeah, yeah. thing, where the guy was just wandering around asking the questions that Ryo asks. Yeah. And everyone's like, "Are you? Did you get lost from your bus group?" Or yeah. something? <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes. Ryohazuki would come off that way in real life, but um, uh, no, they 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 have a long tradition of a being very funny and b uh, not being jerks. Yeah. So uh, it's it's fun to see them sort of step and be like, hey, we're gonna go right for the heart on this one. I just think what you're starting to see is the greed creeping in with YouTube yeah. now. You're really starting to see these people that are like looking at what other people are getting. You know, PewDiePie launched his new network that YouTube just gave him, and so you're starting to see a lot of these other YouTubers starting to get a little envious, starting to get a little greedy, mm-hmm. and make bad decisions like these guys made. I mean, it was a bad decision. I mean, it screwed their business at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how many. It's of those like are- it's only a smart choice in a vacuum. Right, like when you really th- and like when you have a bunch of people sitting around you who are also trying to get rich with right. you, saying, "Yeah, that's a good idea," right. because I work for you, and if you make more money, I'm going to make more money, yeah. and it's this echo chamber but, of stupidity. Right. But of all the people who have no excuse, it's probably the people who built their entire you know money making machine on people reacting to things. Yeah, <laughs> there's definitely some irony in there. So. <laughs> Yeah, so but, I think we. But we'll now go, we're fine. We're all fine here. So you think? Brothers. Yeah. So you think they actually maybe had a legal leg to stand on? I disagree with that. I think. I, it I was, think. That, I think they would have gotten some of it, not all of. It. I don't think they would have gotten just the plain old word react because yeah. it's just that doesn't make any sense. It's too. 
is, is not unique enough. But a lot of the others, because they had a whole list of like two and three word things they wanted to get. And a lot of it was unusual enough or unique enough that I think they would like have done transgenders it. react. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so like no one else is really doing branding it that Maybe way. Maybe we should trademark it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the funniest thing? That not is... react, but like all the other ones that they oh, had the other ones list, they wanted they, and yeah. then sell them back to them? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Teach them a little lesson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Is like the other thing is like other, someone else probably could have trademarked all that stuff, yeah. And nobody would really would have batten an eyelid. But this caused a fuss because they like are so big in that space. Right. Well, already. they made like a big announcement about yeah. it. And, like, You're basically going for an intellectual property monopoly at that point. Well, the other problem too is the angle that they were taking. Like in their video, they were like, "We're trying to help you, bros." Like, right. Yeah, let's rise together up on the internet, and like that's another part of like what Mega Sixty Four did. <laughs> you really know what well. I like right like, now? You're not though, helping bros? me. You're not helping yeah. anybody. Like, you know what I like right now? I like that I can put my video up, and I don't have to pay you for that. Right. Yeah. You see how that works? It's, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a good thing for me that I keep all the money yeah and then, you know, i know they're 30%. trying to push the whole like oh you get more exposure but it's like yeah you know i think there's one thing you and i know it's like the more pe- things you're and people you're beholden to the less pure your product is going oh, yeah. to be. I, actually we've been approached just very oddly enough in the last two weeks we've been approached by three like multi-channel networks on youtube to become partners with them and it's just basically Pactor factor i'm sure they mm-hmm. saw it and they're like oh this is coming out every week people like it and so now we've been approached by two or three different ones in the last couple of weeks. But they're like, what, is, what do they offer? They offer distribution. They say, oh, we'll get your, your content in front of other people in our network. And they're like, we have a library of 100,000 songs that you can use, which we don't have to worry about anyway because we paid rights for all the songs right. we use in Pactor Factor already. So, you know, I, obviously I'm doing my due diligence and I'm looking into it and researching it. But it, the, my immediate response was like, screw you. <laughs> you're, you're just trying to make money off of us. But... At the same time, if it could get Pactor Factor out to more people and more people discover sifted through that, like I said, yeah. it's, it's something that I need to do my due diligence on and actually investigate. But so. it's all about influence. Yeah. It's all about what they can make you do. Well, it's all about also re- right, reading that contract very, mm-hmm. very carefully. Because mm-hmm. some of them will be like, oh, well, we own this content once you run it with right. us. And others are like, or some are like, well, you have to work with us for two years. Some are like, we have no contract at all. Like. It's definitely something that my lawyer will have to look at before mm-hmm. anything would ever be signed. But uh, but again, you have those resources. You have that lawyer. You have that experience. And a lot of the, the people, kids don't. Yeah, you know, the Fine Brothers are trying to do this too. Would not have had that. You're right. You're absolutely right. And that is another reason. Manipulative, that wasn't fine. sneaky. It's all slimy. I mean, yeah. that's, there's no other way to put it. Everything about it stinks. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's getting worse in that space now because you know people have made a lot of money. Nobody knows when the train the gravy train is going to stop. Nobody knows where the next evolution of it's going to be, and everybody wants to be that first new evolution. And, and like, they're probably all spending their money, like because these are like fifteen to sixteen, twenty, whatever year old kids. Like if I yeah. got that kind of money when I was that age, oh my god! Oh, I'm saying like I say we work up like a pitch and a, and a document now for like you know like a true Hollywood YouTube story <laughs> show, so that in like seven years when these kids are thirty and out of money and like you know just. You know, when they're like having their, they're like, you know, Hollywood, like I'm 50 and won't, no one will hire me experience at 30. Right. We can make a show about it. When they've been replaced by some other 13 year old kid with yeah. a, with a, because that's the scary thing. Because that's the scary thing is like how fast some of these guys come in and out of vogue. And like there's no, 
pattern to like a lot of people don't even know why it happens is everybody sort of goes over here and then everybody goes over here you know it's yeah. like and no one's really figured that out yet you know there's some you know obviously I think like PewDiePie is probably forever for the uh, most part yeah um, you know a lot of the big guys well he started our, creating games right. and he started like a TV he show out of it, but yeah. like but you've got like things where like, a book. if you're one of these guys that has like maybe three hundred thousand viewers sometimes you see people of that size sort of like everybody just sort of disperses yeah and you're like I'm not going to mention any names because it would be mean right. but like it's just weird to see that happen and you're and, and you look back like what did they do what did they, and it's like nothing it's just it just people happened. stop coming yeah and it, you know that happens with TV shows too so like like it's scary like you're you know you're but like at least with a TV show if that goes out of business it's like well there's a whole infrastructure there to pitch a new TV show and get that off the ground and be seen by people on a network and da 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 whereas in this sort of online you know YouTube or streamer space there, that net isn't there, and so like starting over from scratch is like deadly to some people. Yeah. So we're going to see some real interesting documentaries on this come out in the next ten years, I think. I'll, I'll be interesting to see if I actually give a crap about it by the time it comes around. Yeah. <laughs> These kids will watch it though, that's for sure. So let's move on to the oh, next. Human tragedy will always sell. <laughs> that's for sure. People always like a train wreck. Yeah. Uh, next, we're going to talk about Call of Duty Black Ops Three. The first piece of DLC just came out this week in a flip-flop from the last round of Call of Duty games coming out first on PlayStation 4. Normally we wouldn't talk about this, but you know, a lot of times we bitch about DLC and we complain about microtransactions and we feel like we're all getting swindled, but this is a case where this is great DLC. Mm-hmm. What you pay for for it and what you get is amazing. Like they've completely redone the zombies mode in this game, which is what we're seeing right now. It actually kind of goes back to some of the, has some of the original characters from the original Zombies modes. Four new maps, well not new maps, two maps are kind of reworks of old ones, but they're two maps that I absolutely freaking love, and two brand new maps. So, all I'm saying is, I've been playing this for the last couple of days, all I'm saying is if you have Black Ops 3, you should go buy this DLC. It's, wor- it's worth the money. And it doesn't feel like one of those things where like, oh they had this stuff done and like, they just basically charge us for something that could have went on the disc. Like you can see, a lot of work has gone into this. A lot of uh, the tweaks they've made to the game since launch have been reflected in this. Um, and yeah, I, I just wanted to give it a shout out because so often mm. we complain about DLC and say it's a rip off and we're sick of it and we think it's a scam. Uh, this is one case where I feel like it's not that way. It's it, pretty cool. Yeah, and, and I was funny. I was in GameStop uh, yesterday and. Um, they had uh, all these those Funko Pop figures, and a bunch of them were like Call of Duty Black Ops zombies with like names. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow, there's a whole world I don't know about. There is, yeah. The merchandising world of Call <laughs> of Duty. So uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. If you guys already if you already have Black Ops Three on PS4, I definitely recommend it. I think it comes out on Xbox One in like a month. I think it's like a month delay. Sure. But uh, if you got a PS4 and got Black Ops Three, buy it. Those four maps will give you another. <laughs> 80 hours of gameplay or whatever. So, highly recommend it. Uh, next, we're going to talk about Nintendo changing its stance on VR. Mm. So, just last year, said had no interest in it. It right. thought it was... What, what was it, its word? That, that, I think it was... Uh, they said it's annoying. There was some word that they used to describe it. it was like, I think they call it like isolating or something like that. Like, they didn't... It didn't fit That's what their, Miyamoto mentioned about it. He said they didn't they, fit their vision of, like, everybody <laughs> playing in the same room together and right, that kind of thing. right. And uh, yeah, and it, they're right. I mean, when you yeah. when you play VR, you're cut off from everybody right. and everything, which is what to me what is the draw of it is being sucked into that world. Um, but I think another part of it was like Nintendo was like it's too much of a basically 
to paraphrase it, it's too much of a pain in the butt, and most mm -hmm. people aren't going to want to do it. Well, now Nintendo has changed its stance. Granted, new president. Yeah. Yeah. Is it too late, though? I mean, look, they were first with the Virtual Boy, <laughs> and would it be the Virtual Boy 2? I would, think, I think <laughs> I would get say way no. Away from that. <laughs> I think that brand is dead. Also, just like, let's not, let's not imply anyone's age in the name of the machine. Right, anymore. right. Um, I don't even know what you'd call it. The <laughs> oh, I got a, I got a flash of a, of a alternate universe where the Wii was still successful, and they called it the Wii V. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the Weaver. <laughs> the Weaver. Ooh, Dream Weaver. Yeah, look at that. I think that one's already been used. Yeah, almost. <laughs> I think well, I built my first website back in like the 90s with Dream uh, Weaver. I was making more of a Dreamcast reference. Right, but, right. Uh, they're not using that name either. Yeah. But, um... I, it's too okay. late, don't you think? But, I mean, the other thing too, Apple this week I will say announced this. that it started to dip the toe into VR. Yeah, Apple bit. could be a, a, a sudden 800-pound gorilla right. in this situation. Nintendo, I don't know. I just again, guys, maybe you should just make sure you can like fill the game library, the game, you know, the, the release schedule of just a console first before yeah. you like start getting crazy with this VR. More stuff to do. Although there is part of me that's just like, you know, Splatoon would be pretty cool in VR. Yeah, but like, I agree with you. I think that that would just be Nintendo spreading itself too thin. Like it, you know. I think so. Unify. Hopefully, if they do really unify the two platforms with the NX, maybe that will alleviate some of the stress because they've already unified their development pipeline and their mm -hmm. asset pipeline and everything. So internally, at least, building games for 3DS and Wii U are kind of the same. Obviously, your assets are different for each game, but how they manage it, and it's kind of like Jira. Do you know that program? Yeah. It's like a project management mm. program. Well, Nintendo's kind of created one of those internally for its development projects. So that pipeline's kind of unified already, so maybe that will alleviate some stress, and if the console is a hybrid with the handheld, again, maybe that alleviates a little more, but man, get it into VR is such a huge expense. The R&D, mm. I mean, just looking at their financials, you haven't seen the spend on R&D that you would need to see to rationalize the new NX coming and this other VR product. So it sounds mm -hmm. to me like it's just a bunch of lip service at this point. I really don't think anything's going to Maybe we'll get into it if it really takes off, like PlayStation VR takes off somehow and all that. But like, I can't see them trying to lead the charge on that. It's just not their I've thing. Here's another thing. I've never seen Nintendo copy somebody else. Right. Like, it just, Nintendo just doesn't do that. Despite how much sometimes they should. And I mean, look, and granted, a lot of the times, Nintendo probably doesn't want to copy because right. most of the other stuff the other companies come well, up with. Well, the other thing is, like, you, you, know, you think about, well, well, you know, they can make a deal with, uh, you know, one of the other VR manufacturers. And right. like, Nintendo just doesn't do that. Nope. They want control over their hardware. Yep. That's always been, like, their paramount concern. Yeah. I don't see it. And then the other thing that Nintendo announced today when they gave their financial report is that the, it looks like the quality of life initiative may be dead. What's that? You don't remember that? I don't think I remember Remember that. Awada talked, I think it was at one E3 press conference about quality of life, and it was like this weird, like, sensor that you put on your finger, oh, and that it thing. went into yeah. the Wii, and like... Like the sleep sensor, yeah. and kind of, yeah. Like a Fitbit sort right. of thing. And Nintendo said for the longest time, no, no, Awada would say, oh, we're still working on it, it's still coming, and then the new president this week, at, during the financial report, basically said... Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. I think his exact words were, we haven't got it to the quality level of a Nintendo product. Mm -hmm. Which means... Is that, that the same as the Vitality sensor? It is, yeah. yeah. That's exactly what it is, yeah. Which... Yeah, that was <laughs> a Vitality a long sensor. Long road for think nothing. About that. Yeah. Just that name, it's so funny. So yeah, it looks like Nintendo's 
Lip service on VR, bailing out of the quality of life initiative. I think they should bail out of VR and just literally just yeah. laser focus on NX, making sure it has the best software possible at launch. I'm thinking, I've seen and seen more and more like these things pop up. It's just in the last week of like people who are like, you know, like little, I mean, they're kind of like little venture companies, but they're like, they're opening like VR amusement centers yeah. and stuff. And like, I think that's probably where Star this is Starbreeze is opening up a VR arcade in LA. Yeah. And it's like, and some of the stuff looks pretty cool. Like, and oh like, yeah, and I'll I'm, go. Yeah, I'll and I, and I mean, go. they gave you like a fake gun and like yeah. all the you know all the equipment you need, and like you hold, people are actually holding lanterns in the yeah. in the horror game, and like moving like the curtains are like like you know raw, like, like little strings hanging from the the top of the ceiling. Right. And like, it's like, top shelf stuff VR. In there. Yeah. It's even better than Vive. And like, like part, of, and I was like, you know what? Why didn't I, you know? Because like, yeah, I started in the arcades. Like, yeah. And for a long time, the arcade was where you went to play stuff that you could never imagine being having at home. at home. Right. It was too powerful. It was too big. Yep. It was too advanced. And eventually, you know, once you got around, I think once you got into the PlayStation era, the um, the things the the the, the arcades were offering were were power, on yeah. par. You know, they, yeah. nobody wanted to make separate hardware for the arcades, so they were just making the same thing. And eventually, that convergence would probably happen much faster with VR. Yeah. But like, you know, we were talking about how like, how do you get people to experience this? And I'm like, well, I guess that's it. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. And I wouldn't be surprised if it becomes a chain, like a Dave and Buster's type yeah. thing. I mean, I mean, it's like laser tag is another example. Yeah, QZAR like, was, was what kept coming to mind. Which yeah. uh, there's still a couple of those. There are. Around. It's not completely dead yet. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the last point. Bethesda this week announces that it is going to do another E3 press conference for the second year in a row. And after last year's, that's something to live up to. Right. Well, last year's press conference was amazing, and it had Fallout 4. And so I totally understood why Bethesda decided to do a press conference last year, especially because... Fallout was coming out so soon after being announced. So I get it. It's like you're in front of all those people. You have this huge product that you've been working on for four years, Mm. and you need to get that messaging out to everybody. So I totally understand, you know, why they did it last year. But now I'm like, okay, well, you're doing it this year. They announced just today that Doom is coming out in May. So that will be out Mm -hmm. before E3. Um, The one game that comes to mind is Battlecry. Yeah. So Battlecry is a game that was a huge part of their E3 booth this year. They had literally like kiosks, like dozens of kiosks of people playing this game. And uh, then it just like kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. I haven't earth. heard anything about that. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know what's going on with Battlecry. I-, I can't imagine that game, regardless of how much attention they gave it, at E3 this year that it would be worthy of having a press conference over. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a multiplayer focused first person shooter. Um, well, it makes me wonder uh, how far along Elder Scrolls Six is. So that's what I'm Cause like, because like, what else? What else is? I yeah. mean, would, I mean, if you get up there and you just announce like a one of the expansion packs for Fallout Four, like I don't know. That's I, not good enough. No. Yeah. So what I think, honestly... Like another expansion back for Elder Scrolls Online isn't going to do it. So honestly, I mean, it's like the sequel to Skyrim. I mean, it's got to be what it is. What else could it be? What other properties does... Skyrim HD remaster? That would be kind of crazy. Yeah. But it already was HD. Not on the consoles. Yeah, it was. Well, 720. 720. That's still HD. That's progressive scan. Technically. 
But you know, you know what the what HD remaster doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah, it, just, it really does. It just means it's on the PlayStation Four and Xbox One. Well, hell, if it was on the Xbox One, it would probably still be in 720p. True. Zing. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Xbox fans. <laughs> Shit, get a little real there for the, a second. The ball was sitting on the tee. I, yeah, I had to hit it. But, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, basically, what I, it would basically be the PC version yeah. ported to the consoles, much like the upcoming Arkham remaster thing. Yeah. Um, which might be, you know, I don't know. On one hand, I'd be like, that would be disappointing, but on the other hand, I'd probably play that. But, like, it's... It's got to be yeah, Skyrim well, too. It's got to be well, the Elder, next Elder Scrolls, Scrolls 6, game. Yeah. yeah. Um, is, are they big enough for that? Like, would would they have been able to make that much progress on that while Fallout Four was in the final stages? Well, it's been the game was Skyrim was released in 2011. Yeah. So it's been three and three and a half, almost yeah. four years so since that game came out. So we'll be looking at the at five years at the end of this year. That's what I'm That's saying. About the right time. It could be another case of show the next Elder Scrolls yeah. at E3. Game comes out in. I mean, it worked. It did. It worked very well. And nobody's compl- I mean, nobody complained like we didn't get to see enough of Fallout before it came out. Like everyone was like, "This is genius." Yeah, I'm not sitting here like waiting for this game to come out for like three freaking years. And also, because like, like I don't think anybody needs to. You know, you either are in on the Bethesda open world game or you aren't. Yeah, like I don't think. You know, you say Fallout Four, and I'm like, yeah. I mean, I wasn't hugely into Fallout Four in the end, but like it was, there was never a question of whether I was going to play it or not. Right. You know, it was, and or or a new Elder Scrolls. There's no question about it. It's. So it's like a Zelda game. It's like, I don't even need to see previews of this thing. Like, yeah. I know I'm going to play it. I'm going to buy it. Like, I'm, I'm going to play it. You know, yeah. whatever. I don't even want to see it. I don't, I don't know care. if I'll finish it, but right. I'm going to buy it and I'm going to play it. Yeah. I, did, I mean, I would be very excited for a new Elder Scrolls. Uh, I love it's got to be. It can't be anything else. I can't. I mean, Prey 2. Are they going to bring back Prey 2? <laughs> well, I wouldn't argue with that, but I don't think that would be like, you know, I don't think that would be a headliner. Yeah, again, like know? that would be the new battle cry, basically. Right. Um... That's not reason enough to bring a thousand people into a theater. Yeah. And I mean, it's about time, right? We, you know, I'd like, I'd like to That's see what I'm saying. Elder like, Scrolls look. You know, I'd like to see the next gen Elder Scrolls that we have been waiting for. I wonder where they're going to go. You know, I mean, it, look, it could be a new IP, but if it is a new yeah. IP, and it'd be crazy not to follow up after Skyrim's success. Oh yeah, and like it's time. It's we're back to that cycle. I can't believe it's been that long since yeah. Skyrim came out, but it it has been so. I'd like to see them go. And wait, Skyrim isn't wasn't done by the same studio as Fallout, was it? No, yeah, but I, I mean, mean, like, I, I just don't really have a sense of how big Bethesda or, or you know, Bethesda is internally. Well, I mean, look, it's they haven't done like an expansion or anything for Skyrim for years. Yeah. Like, it's time. Yeah. I think that's what we're getting. Like, as soon as I saw it today, I'm like, the next Elder Scrolls is. is well, coming. not really. Yeah. That would have been nice to have in the fantasy draft. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely would have, without a doubt. All right, so let's move on to the next topic of the big six. Um, so, E3. Already st- already we're talking about E3. Yep. We just talked about it with Bethesda. This week, EA basically announced that it is leaving the show floor of E3. Mm-hmm. Matt, you know as Released well as I do. Booth. Right. You know as well as I do, that EA booth... That's the first thing you see when you walk in that hall. The first thing you see when you walk into E3 generally is the EA booth. Yep. You walk in the door, and it is right there, like right mm-hmm. in your face. It's huge. It's loud. It's sprawling. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest damn screen in the buildings, usually. Oh, yeah. And the biggest sound system. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, it's a spectacle. And it is one of those things that, like, people that don't even really care about video games that go to E3, they stand in the EA booth for a long time. Because yeah. it also has, like... Um, 
It's almost like a stadium. Yeah. Like, a lot of the booths at E3 are closed off in the front, and there's, like, a, a gateway where you have to talk to a PR person, and then you kind of walk through. Not EA. Their booth was wide open in the front with room for, like, several hundred people to stand and just watch the big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and they used to have it like it used to be. You'd go in like the big circle in the middle, yeah. And the in, inside of it was it was like a giant like dome of video, and, yeah. Like, and like they had all the directional speakers, so like you could just hear everything you were looking. It, 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 they've always been a crazy top level presentation at E3. So the point we're trying to make is this is a big deal. Yeah, this is like this is changing the face of E3 in terms of literally what you walk in and see. I mean, and that that's like my big thing is like, who's taking that booth? Well, I'm sure Activision will probably move up because Activision <laughs> has always been back in the back corner. And that yeah, but Activision's never done... Like, Activision usually does a pretty subdued sort of big monolith of a booth that you have to wait in line Activision's to get in. Activision's booth things. is so freaking weird because yeah. it's huge and it has this huge footprint, but... You can't do anything. There's there. nothing to see. There's, There's no nothing games to, do. to like, play. No. Everything is behind closed doors. You have to there. get in. You have to get in line and wait for hours to see some theater presentation. And otherwise, it's, you know, for years it was just like a giant black monolith with like yeah. usually, usually like the like like high, like neon or like like lit highlights of whatever the big color of the Call of Duty game was. That right. so like it was Modern Warfare. It was green. It was Black Ops. It was orange. Yeah. And. That was it. Like they're totally unmemorable, basically. Yeah. And and maybe sometimes on one side they'd have little open rooms you could go in for like the stuff that they didn't really care about. So like yeah. you could go in there and see the St- Skyliner stuff or the Transformers game or whatever like for freely. But like every all the major stuff everybody wants to see was on the back of the booth and it was a theater presentation. So if you're so like I want like I don't think I still you think can get a- it up there though just for the visibility. Yeah, but do you think you can if really... If you're going to pay the same amount, can you, really get away you might with as well it? move up to the front of the room. Right, but I mean, Who you else don't is change pay anything? For Ubisoft. Might. Ubisoft has a big booth right next door already. Yeah, but you move up and do... You know, the, even Ubisoft's general des- booth design would be better up front than... Yeah. I, I mean, Acti- if it's Activision and they don't change their design, you're just going to be wa- walk into the E3 and you're just going to be in front of a wall. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's just going to be a big wall. Yeah, maybe E3 wouldn't be cool with that. But I feel like E3 might have an issue with that, They too. could. But let's talk about the bigger implications of this. Because EA is the industry's biggest third-party publisher. Mm-hmm. It just They just did their financials. Once again, they are number one on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One for third-party when a publisher does something like this, sets a precedent, and look, we'll go back and talk about 2006 here in a second. When a company does this and sets this precedent, all the other publishers start thinking, well, okay, they're the leaders. They generally make really smart decisions. And look, EA stock has gone from the seller to sky high in the last like two years. So looking at the leader in the space and, and you know, a lot of the smart companies are gonna shape their decisions, do you think this could be the beginning of like an exodus from E3 from pub for publishers? Could we go back to that weird thing we had in 2006 where we had meetings down on the beach in Santa Monica <laughs> and then this weird like dingy warehouse creepy space that they had like a mile and a half away that you'd have to go to to actually like demo the games mm-hmm. and like play the games like the hangar. Yeah. I mean, can you see that going back to that map? No. I don't think well, for one thing, because the other thing is like EA is also renting out part of LA Live across the street, you know, well, for their look, own it's still presentation. Do, it's still, it's still there. It's yeah, it's still in the locale. It has a, a space offsite mm-hmm. where it's for fans, and so they're doing. <clears throat> and look, I understand it because things have changed so much. It's not just now you have twenty or thirty publications that 
are coming to your press conference and they bring five guys or whatever and everyone stands there with their cameras and maybe a couple of them are live streaming it. Now you have the whole YouTube contingents and the quote unquote influencers that come to E3. And so a lot of those people don't get into E3 because they just run a YouTube channel. And E3 mm -hmm. is, is kind of stodgy in that it still kind of does acquiesce to the traditional publication. So all the YouTubers aren't getting into E3 proper, probably the way that they should be, to be honest with you. I mean, obviously they have huge audiences. So yeah, if you're really treating E3, I mean, E3 at, at its heart is, you know, a commercial, it's an industry commercial expo. It's for the retailers to come see the product for the next year and decide what they want to order. Yeah. Like that, you know, in the end, you know, the whole press promotional sort of media thing is really a remora on the back of the shark. Um, but if you're really going to be true to that idea where like, you know, you have, you know, the mainstream media plus the trend setting kind of enthusiast media sort of there to give their take and inform their audiences, um, the YouTubers are really what that is now. Yeah. Like, and if you're, you know, I think that, you know, people are letting them, you know, there was that thing last year where each publisher got to let in a certain number of yep. streamers or YouTubers they wanted to and all that. But like, you know. That's e not good enough though. No, well that's, I think that's probably what EA's main thrust is here where it's like they don't feel like they're going to get the exposure they want and need so they're going to so move out of the hall. With that in mind, why do you think that this won't start a trend of publishers leaving E3? Because I think it's, their own because show. I think EA can afford it and the others can't. Uh, I mean, you know, Activision probably could, Ubisoft probably could, but there's a point at which you have to see whether that margin is worth it. And, but see, uh, the other thing is that it's really expensive to show at E3. It like, is, but it's also expensive to rent out LA Live. It's expensive to do anything in downtown Los Angeles. Um, and in the end, I agree with uh, with Pactor, because Pactor mentioned, talked about this on Pactor Factor either the last week or the week before, um, where, like, you know, uh, you've still got mainstream media from around the world at this thing. And that is easily as valuable as, you know, whatever EA is going to gain from moving off site. And uh, especially a more international company like UB is not going to want to walk away from that. So but I, I think... don't think it's money with EA. I think it's just access. Mm -hmm. They know that if they work with E3, with their booth, that they're not going to be able to get in all the people that they want to get in. The people who are live streaming their games on Twitch, the people who have YouTube channels dedicated to Star Wars Battlefront, like... When, e when E3 is saying, okay, we'll let you let in 100 people, like, that's not enough. Mm -hmm. Like, they need more people than that. And then the other flip side of it, talking about the smaller guys who won't leave, the cost of E3 is insane. Like, look, we worked at G4 for five or six years doing the live E3 broadcasts for all those years. Mm -hmm. But whenever I worked at G4, I actually didn't know a lot of the nuts and bolts and the finances behind it. Like, our job was to link up with the publisher, schedule everything, make sure the shoots go is, and coordinate content. But once I went to MTV and with game trailers and I was a, a VP there, I had to, I had my hands a lot deeper in, every, in everything. I, I realized how much everything cost. And so our first year at game trailers, when we had our first ever booth at E3, first of all, they stuck us up on like the balcony. So you know, you walk in and there's the escalators that go up and there's like a Starbucks up there where people eat. Mm -hmm. They stuck us up there next to the Starbucks in a triangular-shaped space that literally was probably the size of this little studio room that we're mm -hmm. in right now. You remember our first booth presence at E3? Where we had the corner of the Brady Games booth? Yeah, yeah, I it was like that. It was, like, it was yeah. this. It was literally this <laughs> with two stools. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> so this space, Matt, I think it was... What was it, like 
five four hundred square feet or something like that. that. Triangulate. Actually, we're showing right now where we were. That's where it was. Yeah. Right to your right is where that booth was for us. So you can see. Nope, there's nobody here. Like yeah, that, right where Walking Dead was. Yeah, that's where our booth was, and it sucks, dude. Like yeah. it's an awful space. We paid fifty thousand dollars just for the floor space. Mm-hmm. Fifty grand, and then we had to pay extra money to design our booth, the extra money to build it out off-site, mm-hmm. and then had to pay E3 to store it, and then to build it, because (laughs) E3 is run by a union. So they don't let the people who build your booth come in and build the booth on site. Your people are supposed to give their union people instructions, and then their union people build the the booth at an an insane rate, rate and wage. So all in... For our first booth at E3 that was really little and way out of the way and no visibility and basically just a thing for people to stare at while they waited for Starbucks, we spent like a hundred grand just on that. That doesn't include any of our crews, any of the people that worked the booth, like none of it. So putting that in perspective, how much we spent for that little dinky place, I mean, these booths that Activision, they're paying like 300 grand just for the the floor Mm -hmm. to build the booth on top of. And so you start talking about these little publishers they start seeing that big the big boys like EA, one other maybe one other follow suit next year. I honestly could see a place where like if that happens two years in a row, the third year you lose like 25-30% and after then after that people are like, "Well, crap. What's the point?" And we go right back to where we were in 2005 where people are like, "This show doesn't work anymore." And then they did the crappy E3 in Santa Monica and they were like, "You know what?" That show does work over downtown, like, mm-hmm. and moved right back down there. So it almost feels like it's just this cycle. Mm, we need E3, we need E3. Oh, we're so glad E3's back. It's a real show. Oh, I don't know. I really don't. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. And then it just starts going back up and down this hump. I think I think this is more specific to EA than people are giving it credit to. But why? To be. Why do you feel that way? Because... A, it's too exp- you know one of the reasons they moved to Santa Monica was to, to lower the cost because downtown is insanely expensive to rent and space for anything. But Santa and Monica is even more expensive than downtown. Not during E three. I don't know, man. Not during I mean, E3. personally, the people who had to stay in hotels they paid way more stay than Santa Monica. Oh, that's more because like that's just how because they're, they're not, it's not it's Santa Monica. Yeah, it's Santa Monica. You're competing. It's June. You're competing with people that get off a of summer vacation that they're right. coming for the beach. So that was a mistake in that regard. But in terms of renting corporate space for an event, like downtown is going to be expensive one way or the other, especially because you know no matter what you know people in downtown LA know what E3 is at this point. I mean E3 brings in obscene amounts of money to DTLA. And especially now that LA Live is a thing and they you know they've kind of like cleaned the place up and it's more of a pla- more of a destination. Like even if you move off site, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go and not still spend almost that same amount of money? Because there are all these places, you know, even the hotels are still union places. Right, but I think and these, then, these but, but also will be the, okay to spend the same I money if they I, have better access to the people that they I want to access. But here's the thing is, like, I don't think you, I don't think a lot of those people are going to be willing to give up a lot of the mainstream coverage that you don't get on any other gaming event during the year in exchange for that. But if, it's, if you force them to go, if it's all there is, if you force them to go and you set up, you go together, say it's EA, Ubisoft, and Activision, they all band together and they create like a shuttle that goes from one, just in a cycle from all the locations or whatever. And if that's all there is, those journalists still have to cover E3. They're not going to just not come. 
People mm-hmm. still came to Santa Monica even when that show was a joke. Like, but at that point, you're, now you're setting up this. You have to do all this extra work to schedule everything around it. You have to work in partnership with these other companies that are all your competition. Like at that point, uh, you know, maybe it's simpler to just stay home. In home being the Galley Convention Center, where E3 is already and all that's taken care of for you. Yeah. And you've already got a booth that's designed for that space, and it's already you know you don't have to think about it anymore. I mean, a lot of these companies are big enough that they don't have to worry about that, and a lot of the booths for the smaller guys are very standard booth layout designs, and you don't really have to deal with it. You know, and again, there's there's a lot of weird little things that go on behind the scenes behind that shit. I mean, we had a you know G4 had a gigantic booth uh, in the in that you know the same hall as EA, and you know where where it would have cost an obscene amount of money that I don't think G4 could probably have afforded at the time. Well, you but you we were the official we were the official broadcast partner, right. which is you know how you mitigate that. Um, well, and with sponsorships, right? I mean, your show is sponsored by Mountain Dew or whatever. Yeah, but like burritos. You know, and obviously, like if you're, you know, there to promote whatever indie title, you don't have that. Yeah. But that's why you hook up with the big guys, and you know, I, I, you know, there's fewer and fewer weird little, you know, Kensha Hall is a thing of a long past. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a thing of legend. The hall, f- yeah, the thing of legend, full of Korean independent Weirdness. developers and mobile phone <laughs> games that no one wanted to play, and like the only place we're on, peripherals. One year, the only place on the entire floor you could buy boxes of Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kensha Hall was a magical place. It really was. But, um, we would go there on X-Play just to find whatever goofy oh, stuff yeah. was in there. We used to have yeah. specific Kensha Hall segments just yep. to like, here's the thing we found. It's a little, it's a little orb and it rolls around and it, it's supposed to like make you smell things in the game. Yeah. But like, that stuff's gone. Like it that's is, just totally yeah. gone. And every once in a while you walk around and you see like, you know, this is. Well, the, there's no Kensha Hall anymore. It's no, not even open anymore. It's not even. It's, yeah, they, they they have no nothing in there. And so now now you've just got like in the South Hall you've got like those fringe things on the yeah. sides like. Where the, you know, there's meeting Back rooms. by the cafeteria. And but then there's those little booths of like, hey, come check out our controller protector yeah. grip covers. <laughs> and you're like, what did you think was going to happen here? Yeah. What did you think this was? So, like, I don't know how those guys would afford it going forward. But at the same... Like, those are the people that I could see thinking, like, it may, maybe isn't worth our money for, like, all the extortion through the union costs and stuff. Let's move off-site. But no one's going to go off-site to see those things. Here's what I think. I think... E3 has to evolve or it's absolutely going to happen. I think if E3, this year in fact, needs to change its policies about letting influencers and, mm-hmm. and YouTubers well, you and know what you streamers. Maybe should, and I'm sure this would cost more or whatever for E3, but you know what maybe E3 needs to do? Public Day. is Well, not just Public Day, but um, you, know, you need to go through and really work with the publishers on who they think the influencers are and who they really are sure they want there. And I'm not saying like, you know, 50 per public. I'm talking like a lot of people. And I'm saying open Kensha Hall back up and make that the YouTube production studio place. Like make yeah. that a place those guys can go and sh- and broadcast from there. Like make YouTube it- does have like a huge booth now. Like I They do, but I'm did, saying like, like make it a, make that like part, you know, a real part of the show. Make it like, you know, we've, you know, we've gone from, you know, where you had to wait, you know, Two three months to see the E three reports in the magazines, and then for a while there we had stuff where like we could get stories done over you know over a couple of days when we got back from the show and we could air air it or we could put it on the website, and then you started having guys that would be able to put up this you know be able to put up videos and stuff overnight, and now it happens immediately, and now it's on Periscope, and now it's streaming, and now maybe it's time that everything happens even more immediately. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's time to set that whole thing up to handle that as part of its you know literal DNA. You're just, I just think you're going to see other publishers do exactly what EA did. They're going to be like... Cause, I, I mean, here's see, the other part, too, is that like, they're paying I just don't see where they're crap gonna go. tons of money to the ESA for this stuff. Right. And they're like, 
for what? Like but, when we can reach our fans directly and exactly who we want. No one's gonna put up a gate and say, nope, those people can't come in, and that person, mm-hmm. oh, that that they're okay. Like, but where are they when gonna you're the go? gatekeeper. In, what do you mean? Where do you go? There's tons of places in downtown LA or wherever that you can. Well, because I think it makes sense with EA. It's like, okay, well, we're across. They're literally across the street. You walk across an alleyway and you're at LA Live from from the convention yeah. center to Staples Center. But like, if you know, so now that part's taken. So like, where else do you go? Like, well, last year, like, oh, this kind of backs up my point though about how E3 is kind of losing its influence. Last year, Devolver Digital just booked a parking lot across the street from E3. And yeah, if you well, look I mean, at that goes back to God Games as well. They yeah, yeah. And thing. if you look at the coverage that they got, it was no different than if they had spent a crap ton of money to buy to build a booth and mm-hmm. rent a space inside. And so well, what I'm saying is that that's event, an indie developer. What I'm saying is like, is like if you get these big guys starting to do this, like they're not going to set up in the parking lot across the street where they're going to go. Ubisoft maybe going to go to that theater they go to now, you know, which is a good shuttle ride away at least. Or I mean or look, like, the after party I mean, for the game awards was a tent on the top of a parking garage. But and it was amazing. Like you went inside, it was like another world. Like But at a certain point what I'm saying is like, you know, something's gonna give before all of a sudden it's like a, you know, a bunch of satellite booths in third party locations and an empty convention center. Like ESA is yeah. ESA's gonna come to the table before that. That's what I'm saying. Like they need to evolve and change the show or that is what it's gonna become. If it does well, evolve EA, and change Well if EA is not that wake up call to them this year, I don't know what it's gonna take. That's probably a good point to end it on right there. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Like they need to wake up though. They need to realize things are changing. Mm-hmm. And maybe they need some new blood in their leadership because a lot of the people working for the ESA are pretty old. Like I don't know that they even we're available. Get... <laughs> Just saying. I don't know that they even get YouTubers and Twitch streamers and all that at this point. So something's got to give. They can't keep mm-hmm. going the way they are, or you're going to see big publishers leaving next year, and then the show turns into a shit show, like it did. I didn't even think E3 was that bad when it like closed down back in like 2005. Like I didn't really have a problem right. with it. I was like, this show's still awesome. Like, what are you talking like the about? the Santa Monica thing? Well, yeah, when they were like, well, we don't want to do it downtown anymore. We don't like it at the LA Convention Center. I was like, why? Like, yeah. it was still awesome. The only problem I had ever had with E3 is too many damn people. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and it's one thing, it's like, I'm not one of the people that thinks the YouTube guys should be kept out because they have a legitimate purpose there. It was, for me, it was like, when if, you just, if you just worked at Best Buy, you could go. Right. You know, which is yeah. ridiculous. Or like, you know, there was no one keeping, you know, at some point there was, what was it, 2006, it was something like, it was some obscene number of people. It was, it was like in, in the, it in had the gotten 200,000 bloated, yeah. range or something over the course. And That's the you, irony though. It got so big that they wanted to make it smaller. Right. So they took it to Santa Monica. People hated that. And they're like, okay, well, we'll do it back at the LA Convention Center, but we'll be more cautious about how many people we let in. Mm. But now it's come full circle to where the publishers are like, we need more people to get in than what are getting in. Well, I think part of it is, uh, I think, uh, what was it, Uh, Thursday last year was the wake-up call for a lot of them. Yeah. Because... You know, the last couple of years, uh, the ESA really cracked down on checking IDs and really, yeah. you know, double check every, you know, last two years, especially last year, every time you went into any hall or anything, you had to show your badge with your name and your ID, period. I also saw and, at least four people getting busted for fake badges yep, and getting, and getting dragged, dragged out and dragged away. Out. Yep. And I'll tell you, um, on Thursday in that hall, it was Empty. It was there empty, was yeah. no one at E3 on Thursday. I mean, I've it been nice. I've been. It was nice, <laughs> but it's like I've been to E3 like 17 times yeah. at, at that point, and I had never seen that hall that empty. Yeah. The other and thing like, too is that Wednesday nights like. And so clearly, everybody night. goes yeah. home on Wednesday after they've done all their real business, and they hand the badges off to the interns or whatever, yeah. and that was what the crowds on Thursday used to be, and now they're not. Yeah. And so 
if you're like someone who spent you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to have your booth there, and no one's showing up on Thursday because no one, everybody went home, and you can't trade badges anymore, like you're sitting there saying, "Well, why are we here?" Yeah, you know, it was. It's like it's like like think of all the money that's clicking away for nothing. Like we could have right. all gone home on Wednesday yeah. at that point. Well, Maybe people, that'll some happen. Some people have to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the next topic of the big six. So. This week, Square Enix did another one of its big content drops for Final Fantasy XV. Active Time Report is what they call it. Basically, it's a big live stream where they show off new elements of the game that they've been working on. And so, really, really, really coming this year? No, seriously. Yeah, uh, they did say that, yeah. actually. Like, pretty much they're like, yes, it is really coming this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that they showed is what we're showing right now, which, which I really like that they do these in the Active Time Reports. They basically just show, like the nuts and bolts of the tech of their engine and all the little things that they're working on that, in my opinion, will end up paying huge dividends on down the road. Just like little texturing things, little animation things, um, little gameplay tweaks that they've worked on, um, like here, facial animate, whatever, just all kinds of little doodads and things that they've been working on and tweaking. Now, the one thing that does bother me a little bit is like if you watch this, like, a lot of these elements are only at like 60% complete. <laughs> and so I see that and I'm like, uh, I don't know. That doesn't seem good if the game's coming out or supposed to come out before the end of this year. But yeah, a lot can happen. And some of this is probably, all, you know, if you're showing off stuff in something like this, you're showing off something that's a couple months old that you know works as opposed yeah. to what's currently being worked on. Also, when you have a team of probably 500 people who are working on this game, you can get a lot done in a yeah. little amount of time. So, like once you, once someone makes the calls, like, all right, death march to the end, go. Like, you know, yeah, it's stuff's gonna happen fast. So this stuff all looks good. Like the game, obviously, the engine's yeah. impressive. Like they they made a decision to build their own engine. I think they made the right choice here. It is paying off in how the game looks. So what I really wanted to talk about, though... <laughs> Frog. Yeah. What I really wanted to talk about, though, they also showed a gameplay demo that mm. it's like six or seven minutes long. It's stealth. Stealth yep. in a Final Fantasy game, Matt. Ain't no need for that. Adam Sessler used to say, like, the pro- when you can tell something's bad stealth when you're just playing the game slower than you normally would. And... <laughs> um, that really Touché. is, and, and you know, if you want to see good stealth, uh, go watch uh, uh, the Platinum, uh, the new show. I forgot the second word. Oh, Platinum Journey. Platinum oh, Journey. And watch Dishonored. Oh, I watch Dishonored because yeah. that's stealth that is not just playing an action game slowly. Yeah. That's that's stealth. Legitimate. That is the core of your gameplay. It was built idea. around it. Yeah. Right. But if you're gonna do, you know, the the stuff, the stealth thing in this thing, I kept thinking about. Uh, Wind Waker, yeah. where you have to do that stupid castle po- thing yeah. in the beginning, and I'm just like, <laughs> the who thought lights. this was the good way to get me into it? You know, and I just don't, you know. But it, to me, it makes more sense in Zelda than it does in Final yeah, Fantasy, at sure. least because at least Zelda's like an action adventure game. Yeah. And look, I, just, I don't want to get caught up on preconceptions for any game. Like, I, I hate people that are like, well, that's the way the game was, so that's the way it's got to be. Like, I hate that whole mm-hmm. rhetoric and that thought process. So I don't want to just this say... this is clearly a departure from Final Fantasy in general anyway. I mean, the whole game yeah. is different. Well, my big issue is that I, I just am to the point in my life where I don't like stealth gameplay at all. Mm-hmm. Like, really, like, at all. I, well, it's just, you know, I don't know anything about this situation. Um, but all I can say is that uh, I doubt whatever, like, narrative 
situation, like is forcing this stealth thing, is going to be compelling enough for me to think, well, I guess you had to do it that way. Yeah. Um, I did read. I mean, that, this is clearly like. I did read that it choice. is optional. Oh, okay. Um, so you know, if it is just like you can either do it that way, or if you just want to power your way through it, like go ahead. Uh, that's cool. But you know, there's gonna be a fucking trophy. Yeah, yeah, of so, course. Like, yeah, you know, so. So the bigger point I'm, I'm, I guess I'm trying to get at with this recent unveiling is that this game, to me, it just looks like an action adventure game. Yeah. It doesn't really look like an RP. I mean, other. It looks than like when, Kingdom Hearts to me. Oh uh, yeah. Other than when you see the numbers flying up mm-hmm. for hit points, like otherwise, it just looks like it could be any hack and slash. Like yeah. Which is shocking to me to see I, this series. I don't think transform it is. really. I don't think it is at all. If you've been paying attention to the evolution of Final Fantasy and what they did in 12 and then what they did in 13 with the battle system and how it became much more based on like when you pressed a button versus which button you pressed. Um, I think this is the kind of the direction they've been pushing this series for almost 10 years now. I mean, what you would, what most people would say is like, it's about damn time because... Some, yeah. Because uh, RPGs have really kind of left Japan behind in a lot of ways. And look, mm-hmm. some people really love JRPGs and they still really love turn-based combat and all the stuff that comes with that and the grinding and everything, but most of the world has moved to a place where they want to play action RPGs, like Skyrim or like The Witcher or mm-hmm. like even really Metal Gear at this point. Or Kingdom Hearts. Or Kingdom Hearts. This is the Kingdom Hearts people doing this game. Yeah. I mean, and when you watch the combat, that's very obvious, I think. Yeah, was... for sure. Oh, yeah, just the way the flourishes are yeah. and the way there's a lot of like upswinging with the swords. Mm-hmm. And I, Juggles I and... And I understand why people who are more of a purist about Final Fantasy would have a problem with that. But like to me, if you can get this, this if you got gameplay, action-based gameplay in this thing that keeps me interested from moment to moment, uh, that's going to make the inevitably uh, horrible story much easier for me to get through. And I, look, that's what I was exactly. What I, was, I agree a thousand percent. Like I know a lot of people are probably going to hate that they change games so much. You know, one of the games I'm playing right now is um, uh, Trails in the Sky. On um, it's a it's a. It's an 11-year-old turn-based JRPG, and I'm loving it. But that doesn't mean that I can't get behind an action-based Final Fantasy. Yeah, I think it's the right move, in all honesty. I think so. Especially because Square is clearly trying to position this series to be, you know, to be what Final Fantasy VII once was, which was, like, the biggest mainstream game of its generation at the time. And And Final Fantasy isn't that anymore. And this is what Final Fantasy would need to be to appeal to the people that made, say, The Witcher 3 a multi-million selling hit or, um, you know, any of those. Or Skyrim sold that much. You know, clearly an RPG can sell that much, but you have to engage the player, you know, the general audience with a more tangible, visceral experience that you're not going to get out of a standard ATV thing. And the truth of the matter is, with the investment that Square Enix is putting into this franchise, it needs it to sell better than it's been selling. Yeah, I mean, I can't... I don't know what scenario in which this game doesn't lose money. Like At you this could, point... You sell 15 million copies of this thing. And you're probably still I, technically... You're still probably underwater if you include everything all the way back to pre-production. Right. Because this thing, this thing's clearly been in development for almost 13 years at this point. <laughs> So, I mean, they may make it to 15 yeah, <laughs> for I mean, Final Fantasy 15. These guys make The Last Guardian look like a well-planned project. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think we're both in agreement, though. That yeah. I think the franchise is headed in the right direction. Look, I'm still not on board with the whole teen band thing going on with the road trip. and all. It still seems corny. And like when I played the demo, I wasn't on board with the with that whole part of the game. But the little taste of the combat that I got, I, I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, counter systems seem to work pretty well already, and that's one, thing that, one of the things that they said that they're tweaking big time 
as they're leading up to launch. If you make this thing fun to play, I will forgive a lot of your typical JRPG foibles. Yeah, I mean, I can... In terms of the rest of the presentation. Right. I can look over a lot of the other garbage that doesn't really appeal to me anymore for a game that is fun to play mm-hmm. and engaging to play. And engaging to play over the long haul, because in all honesty, a lot of JRPGs, once you get to, like, your 18th hour of grinding, like... You're just going through the motions mm-hmm. at that point. But if you make these fights against these giant, like, Monster Hunter-style things fun and interesting and, like, you know, varied and progression-based, like, you know, if you need to... And know, I wonder, again, how much Monster Hunter is going to creep into this game. That's a good question. I mean, you Because know, it, you can't deny it. Like, Monster Hunter Cross just came out in Japan. It's already sold three million yeah. copies. And it's been there already. I mean, even the, the, you know, once you got out into uh, Grand Pulse in Final Fantasy XIII, like, there's a lot of Monster Hunter to that. Just and there, in terms look, of there's already the 3DS game. Is it Final Fantasy Adventure that just came yeah. out? That's basically yeah. Final Fantasy Monster Hunter. Mm-hmm. So I would not be surprised to... And look, I think a lot of Final Fantasy fans would be okay with that. Yeah. If it turns into, like, a monster gallery of all the greatest Final Fantasy enemies, and you just go fight them, like, I don't think people would have a big problem with that, to be honest. Not, not a terrible idea. Yeah. You know, and you see, you see a lot of the Final Fantasy content movies skewing this way. Dissidia, uh, the yeah. same thing. You know, you're, you're taking all this stuff, you're making an action-based fighting kind of arena game. Yeah. And uh, you see Square really fishing for what's going to get this series back on the map. Speaking you know? of fishing, that gameplay demo <laughs> in particular, well, yeah. But it also <laughs> looks a hell of a lot like Metal Gear. Yeah. A lot like Metal Gear. Like, just the, like, there's mechs and, like, mm-hmm. it's all very dark. I mean, right there, looking at this, it looks like a Metal Gear game, minus, like, the juggles and everything. Like, mm. yeah, Snake doesn't uh, juggle combo very No, he doesn't. But, but, you know, that could be a Metal Gear that they're fighting right yeah. there. I mean, I, I just feel like I'm We're seeing. A dodge a, in there. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on here. I'm just seeing a lot of influences from other games in this game. And but, I But honestly, also, stuff like that, with the, like, which is that where he threw the fire at the thing and they blew up, like, Hey, that's actual gameplay, and that's yeah. something you could run in a commercial and make people go, ooh, yeah. and it's actual game. You know, yeah, exactly. if for once, it's not like kind of like we're showing not a cool cutscene yeah. <laughs> from a Final Fantasy game, but yeah. when, you actually, when you do this in the game, you'll just press X, and it'll... Yeah. Here's, like, here's where, okay, you're actually doing the cool things you've seen these characters do. Yeah, I think I, one I time get in what my they're life, after. One time in my life, I would have been completely against what's happening with this series right now. But now, I mm-hmm. think it is the absolute right move for it. There's also part of me that's just like, just put it out. Yeah, oh just yeah. Just get it well, out. I think everybody says so that. So we can get on with Kingdom Hearts 3, <laughs> for God's sake. Because, you know, that's going to be 10 years before it comes out. Yeah. It'll come out, like, right before the PlayStation 4 is, like, sent off. Yeah, it'll be the last PlayStation 4 game. It could. It could work out. Well, then they also have to get Final Fantasy VII Remake done somewhere along there. Yeah, well, and... they've, got a, they've got some episodes to do. Yeah, right. One. Well, they can, yeah, they can get an episode done, and then... That one, I think, will be more uh, traditional than what we're seeing here. I think I it'll be updated. Know. I don't think, but I don't think you'll be running around in real time doing you know, combos and stuff like that. I think, I think be... if you're going to want a traditional Final Fantasy game, you're going to have to get it on handheld. And Probably. that is if handheld exists after this generation. Who knows? I would like an action-oriented like Final Fantasy 15 style remake of Final Fantasy VI. Which yeah. is my favorite Final Fantasy I think of most all time. Pe- I think that is probably um, most people's favorite. Yeah. I think most people's would be seven. Really? I think there's I don't a lo- think so, man. I think there's a whole. Well, I think our, I think that's our age. Like... Yes, but I think there's a lot more people who were 12 years old in 1997 and discovered Final Fantasy seven, and that's their Final Fantasy. And I would say to them, go back and play it now, because <laughs> I don't think you would have that opinion if you played Final Fantasy seven mm. right now. Nostalgia is a hell of a drug. There's a reason they're wiping that slate clean for the remaster. <laughs> Let me tell you. All right, let's move on. Another big story this week, and this is another kind of industry-changing thing, kind of like EA leaving E3. So, I think it was 
Tuesday or Wednesday of last week, there was like a little teaser put up on Insomniac's YouTube page for this game, and all you pretty much knew about it was that it was going to be set underwater, because it was just like a clip of like sinking to the bottom of the ocean, mm-hmm. essentially. Like, we're going to announce it on Friday. So on Friday, they did finally announce the game, and it turns out it's this like side-scrolling indie kind of shooter. It takes place underneath the ocean. You control a submarine. The twist of the whole thing, and look, I was just happy it wasn't a mobile game because I've kind of feared that it might end up being a mobile game. So I was happy that it was a legitimate console release. But the twist of the whole thing is that GameStop, the brick and mortar Ooh. video game store, is the publisher of this game, Matt. Unusual. Is do you So no digital that? version, probably. <laughs> That's a good one. So there's conflicts of interest here with this, Matt. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, look, not with this game specifically, because it is a downloadable game. It's probably not going to have a box copy. It's not going to probably be in their brick-and-mortar stores. So it's smart in one way, because GameStop... And you can only get it there, by the way. Mm-hmm. There's no, you can't buy it anywhere else. You just buy, like, a digital code or something? Right, right, there, right. And so, look, for GameStop's business, it's smart, because they have struggled to become relevant in the digital game space. So this, look, big-time developer, you have to come there to get it. Once you get there, hopefully their store looks great and people get into it and they start selling more more games digitally. I get that part of it. The problem that I have is if if it ends up expanding into something more where it is for retail packaged games. And because if you have GameStop as a publisher and an invested interest in how the games it publishes does, how do you think GameStop is going to instruct its salespeople to sell games? How is it going to allocate shelf space to said games? Shelf space is a big challenge for people selling games, especially games with peripherals or, or pieces of equipment that come with it, like Skylanders or, mm. or, or an Amiibo. Like, they take up a lot of shelf space. Guitar games, like Rock Band and Guitar Hero. It's hard for them to get shelf space. You fight for that. And so if GameStop is publishing games all of a sudden, and it has total control over all those elements that I just mentioned, that's where it starts to get a little funky for me. Hmm. Not for you. Um, like, I don't think you're wrong, but I also think, uh, you know, if GameStop is playing a little faster and looser with, you know, promoting their own games versus your games, well, at least you've still got your game in Walmart and Target and Best Buy and online and Steam and PSN and, and all that. Here's the thing. Last year, still, the vast majority of games that were sold in America were sold at GameStop. I thought that was Walmart. No, huh? Walmart has to be the largest retailer of no. games. No, huh? It's not. GameStop still. I saw the report. It's on Sifted somewhere. It was still the leader of selling video games in the United States last year. Well, that is weird. Well, you know, but, Walmart um, doesn't contribute to MPD either. All right, so that's part of that. But uh, I would, I would be very shocked if the if Walmart didn't sell the most physical video games in the country. Period. Like, there's just too many, and too many people buy their shit there, and it's too, the prices are too good. And GameStop is still the, the, and look, here's the thing, like, most places where there's a Walmart, there's also a GameStop. Right. Because there's the Walmart, and then there's a strip mall that the Walmart's a part of, and in that strip mall, there's a game GameStop. But I think people go to GameStop to trade in the games and get a cheaper price on something they are after from Some there. Some people do. And I think if you're buying new games or presents or gifts or whatever, you're buying them from Walmart for the most part in America. Um, I have no proof of that, but it's true of <laughs> just about every other form of retail product in the in the in the world. So um, it's that's probably. But again, we're just speculating on that point. In terms of this, um, 
it doesn't really bother me in the sense that like um, I think a lot of people that go into game most of the, I would say the majority of people that go into GameStop know what they want to buy and they go in and they buy it and they leave and that's it like I don't know how much of what GameStop is pushing I don't know I see matters. lots of moms and dads in there asking really stupid questions True, but like, is that really going to extend to like this, you know, Insomniac's little digital game? I mean, I, that's the thing. But see, like, shelf space is a big deal for people like that. For people like you and I, Otaku, mm-hmm. it's like you said. We know what we want. We already know what we brought, we're going to buy. We go in and we buy it. But there are lots of people who go into GameStop and don't know what they're going to buy, and they're talking to sales reps. They're looking at what's right at eye level on the shelves, which you know, in merchandising, that's it's like mm-hmm. the best brands are always at eye level. Or the brand, the brands that pay the store the most money anyway to carry their product. That does affect people. And look, mm-hmm. maybe during the year it's not as big a deal, but in Q4 holiday sales, it is a really, really big deal. Yeah, maybe you just have a lot more faith in GameStop executing on these things than <laughs> I do. Because I remember the last time GameStop got you know involved in any kind of a uh, you know a game like publication situation, which would have been Xenoblade Chronicles on the Wii, and most people never even knew that game came out. Right. Yeah. So like you never saw that on the shelf. You never saw it being promoted. You never saw a sign. You never saw. I I got that game. Because I already had, I already had. Well, we knew, we were talking. But I went and I asked for it, and like the people that were working there didn't even know it was there. GameStop worked with Nintendo to put that I game know. out, yeah. and they never even told us that it was out. Like, yeah. it was, so like when you, you know, so yeah, in a competent company, maybe I might be worried about what you're talking about. <laughs> but I'm gonna have to see a very different reaction from them on this game, on uh, Song of this was it Song of the Deep, than uh, they did with game with Xenoblade before. I believe that they might be a threat in that regard. I, I disagree. I do think it is a threat. And, I, and look, here's another thing, too, is that uh, the CEO from Europe, I believe it was, came out today mm-hmm. and said that this isn't, they're not becoming a publisher. Unless this works. Said. Right. It's like, because what he also said was, well, we'll see how this goes. Right. I mean, and, it's change your die time yeah. for, like, for a brick-and-mortar store. Because that's really, that's what the graphic says, staying alive. Yeah. Because GameStop is at a place, where, and that's what I was going to say, is there, to me... Their executive saying that is really stupid. Yeah. Like they should be doing this. Yeah. I mean, this, this is... could be a direction they could, if you know, if they ever stop being able. Because I mean, weird competition's about to get weird and weird in reverse. Amazon's opening three hundred books, physical bookstores, around Why? the world because life is a joke and. It's all played on us. Like, nothing matters anymore. Not, words don't mean things. I went to an 8 p.m. midnight screening of Star Wars The Force Awakens, okay? It doesn't mean anything anymore. But, like, there's a vegetarian butcher down the street from where I live. Words mean nothing. The world is, the world is backwards. It's, not, it's all over, Shane. Um, I mean, look, this company's so like, going to die eventually. So that, those Amazon change. bookstores are probably going to have video games in them because Amazon sells everything. Yeah. And, like, there's another competition for I you. mean, really, isn't it just going to become an, an Amazon brick-and-mortar brick store? Pretty much, I, I mean, would think. I, I don't and know I know why I buy all my video game, new video games now as an Amazon Prime member with my you 20% discount. you get 20% off, yeah. So... Like you know, if you're GameStop, you're looking for your way out. You're looking for your potential exit strategy. If you don't, well, you're looking for a revenue stream. Right, you're you're grasping its draws, trying to find one. And you know, if it all you know, if it all really does go to hell, I can see in another generation or two, GameStop's just like you know, kind of a publisher in the same way Atlas is. Yeah, you know, like a like a uh, you know smaller. Boutique publisher kind of thing, or they become a juggernaut. Like, or that's also possible. And I then mean, they have the connections, they have the power. I mean, this is honestly they the first thing. Pivot. This is yeah. This is the first thing I've seen GameStop do that seems intelligent since like use games. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, 
you very rarely ever get good news about anything related to this company. And this, <laughs> honestly, I don't know if it's good news because there's all kinds of weird conflict of interest involved in it. But if I were a shareholder in GameStop or I worked there and wanted to keep my job, I'd be like, dude, sign as many of these games as you can. Yeah. Because you got to start now. Because it's like Pactor said in Pactor Factor. Are they going away next year? No. Are they going away in five years? No. Are they going away in 10 years? Maybe. Mm -hmm. And 10 years in the business world goes real fast. And so if you want to recrack crack open a new revenue stream, you better start mm -hmm. laying the foundation for Especially doing that Especially because now. by the time that five-year mark has passed and that 10-year mark's coming up and you see that, oh, that maybe turning into a yes, it's usually too late. Yep, exactly. And so... At first, I was like, this is a brilliant idea. And then their exec from Europe was like, oh, no, no, no. This isn't like a new strategy. I'm like, it should be. Yeah. If you want to survive and you want to make your stockholders happy, it should be. In my opinion. Yeah, probably. But as a non-stockholder of GameStop, uh, I don't know. Like, you know, maybe, maybe it's a naive perspective, but like, I don't care about that game. Yeah. And so, like... I'll worry about it when they start doing it to games I care about. Which could very well happen. In which case, which I will, is why you in, have to worry about it which, now. In which case, Going I will. Going back to what you were saying. In which like, case, I will go to GameStop and buy it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I don't care. Yeah. I don't, uh, like I, I, I see the potential for abuse, but I don't really see. Um, you know, GameStop's still almost in the business of making money, and you'd have to. They'd have to be in a real weird pivot situation to the point where they start like neglecting. Uh, like Skyrim or something, so equivalent of something like that. Because if you're talking about like something smaller, like you'd say you're talking about like Persona or like you know, uh, you know, codename Steam or like one of those more like B list, C list games that come out, which you know, ten, you know, some of them are really good. Some of them should be played, but it's not like GameStop does a great job promoting those now anyway. So yeah. it's like you know, I don't see, I don't think a lot is going to change. They'll, they'll, they, you know, maybe they would promote their own published games, you know, of that level, you know, that indie kind of level or that, uh, you know digital boutique level more effectively than they do other games, but it's not like they would be taking away from the other games because they don't promote them at all. Right. All right, let's move on to the fifth topic of the big six. Here's definitely the game of the week, without a doubt. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? <laughs> this game... Uh, 40 bucks, yes, you can get a witness for 40 bucks. <laughs> $40. This game has been scoring... Pretty much at every publication, mm -hmm. through the roof, like nine, whatever, higher. Yep. Perfect tens, been thrown out there from a... So many nines, you think it was just Germans disagreeing. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Like, it may end up being the best-reviewed game of the year. It's going to be up there, for sure. Um, Matt, I played it, you've played it. What are you mm -hmm. thinking? I like How it. You, you like it? I don't get why everybody says it's a transcendent experience, like... You know that changes lives or whatever, but like, you know, I, but I'm only like two hours into it, and like, you know, clearly I haven't even begun to sort of put together what the overall sort of meta situation or story or whatever is. I'm just solving line puzzles, uh, and I like it. Uh, I feel like they go on a little bit uh, too long. Like I feel like, okay, I get it, cool. Okay, another one. Okay, yeah. Okay, now and and okay, now you're annoying. You know, and like and and like I feel like it, I feel like it ramps a little too slowly for me in places. I'm sure that will change because I'm so early on. I'm sure it'll start being like really really mean <laughs> eventually. But um, I'm really enjoying it so far. I think it's beautiful. Uh, I love the art style, and I, I it's something very satisfying about you know solving a row of the puzzles and the, the you know the, the power line lights up and you follow it to the next thing. And 
I don't really understand what any of the audio logs mean yet, and I don't understand. Sometimes a door opens, and I don't understand why I'm here. But like, like I, I enjoy kind of the weird sort of, uh, I don't know. Right now, it's kind of got that promise that Lost had, where it was just like, oh, there's like mysteries, and it's weird, and it reminds me of Mist, and I'm sort of like, I'm sort of digging that, and like, I don't know if it's actually going to pay off, or if I'm just going to get well, bored I mean, and wander look, away. Looking but at, like, looking at people's reviews, I would say that it does pay off eventually, right? Certainly, I mean, they seem to think it does. Because here's yeah. what I would say: is that look, I've played about, I played it. We did a sifted hangout live stream of it. I played about an hour of it there, and then I went back and started playing it more. I've probably played about five or six hours of it so far total. And so I'm not I'm not seeing that whole thing yet either, where mm-hmm. there's like this mystery cracking open, and I'm like completely enthralled with the game. I'm honestly at a place where the game where like I don't want to play it more than like 30 minutes at a time. Like I, if they're saying this game is 40 hours, I may not finish this game until like the end of the generation because I just don't enjoy long periods of time playing games like this. Like puzzle games for me is something I play like when I'm waiting to get my oil changed or. I'm waiting for my wife to get ready to go out to dinner. It's not something I sit down and, like, power through. Like, I can play most genres for dozens of hours in a row. If I didn't have to sleep, I could keep playing. But with puzzle games, it's like I play them for a little bit, I put them down. I play them for a little bit and put them down. And my issue with this game that I'm starting to see already is that you it's kind of like a Zelda game where you kind of have to play it a lot of it at once because mm-hmm. all these elements are all interconnected with each other. All these puzzles, you yeah, do this it, puzzle here. It does a lot of uh, interconnected teaching. Yeah, like you yeah. do this puzzle here, and then yeah, you follow that power line. But it also leads you to some other new mm-hmm. set of puzzles that may or may not be affected by this other puzzle that you've done. And sometimes I've run into things where like you know, you run into a. It does a lot. It does a, a, a. It definitely does that thing where it's like it teaches you how to do this. Teaches you how to do this. Oh, now you find this thing that says both of those things at once. Yeah. And, you have to kind of do- and sometimes I've found something that is like something I know the rules of and something I don't know the rules of yet. And I'm like, oh, I better go find that thing, that other thing solo so I can learn how that works. And part of me thinks that's really cool, but part of me is also like, ooh, this is long. I don't like this it. Is, is See, I don't like that crap, man. I don't like... It's a puzzle game. It's a freaking mm-hmm. line puzzle game. I feel like it's... <laughs> this game could have been way more simple. Then the way I feel like they just he's tried to make it way more elaborate than it needed to be. It's like at the end of the day, you're just solving line puzzles. Like, I don't get the same charge out of solving a line puzzle as I do from defeating a boss in game. And look, maybe that's just me and just personally how I, what the games I like and my taste in games. I don't get that same feeling that I do mm-hmm. from playing action adventure games, from completing a puzzle in this game. And like, I think really what happens to me when I stall is like, I don't freaking care. It's like, at a certain point, after playing it for 30 or 45 minutes, when I solve a puzzle and this little like thing lights up, I'm like, I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. I don't care. And I just turn it off. And... I do care. I just, you know, um, I like this setting, and you know, you know and I, I don't think it would be improved if you were just swapping between pages of line puzzles. Uh, part of me, and like part of me is kind of like, really, this is it? This is the only kind of puzzle you're gonna, you have for 40 hours? But then the more I go forward, the more it changes up all the rules and changes how it works. And the but see, I don't look. I don't like solving puzzles either, where you have no idea what the what you're supposed to be doing. Like I don't like. Well, it. You're, you're trying to get the line into the end. Right. <laughs> they're all the same. That's the thing. They're all the same. You, it's just, it's no, but you, did, you, you don't know there. the rules. That's that. They're not all the same. You maybe you haven't played enough, but they're not all the same. Like the, the objective is kind of the same. Yeah. You have to get the line from one point to another, right. but the variables that are put into the puzzles change. Right. Constantly. 
And, like, a lot of times you aren't told the rules. And so you have to, like, very in... You know, there's a run in mm-hmm. this game, but even the run is really slow. Like, I just... I don't know. I know. So far, that doesn't bother me. Although, I got... I don't want to go run around and look for, like, the rules to a puzzle. Like, I just don't... Like I said earlier, I just don't care enough. But I really... I, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'll get tired more four or five hours in, but, like... The first couple hours, I, mean, like, I really like the, the early on, you've got that, the puzzle with the pink trees. Yeah. And you have to figure out how the tree shapes correspond to the images on the puzzle you're trying to there's solve. There's lots of stuff like and that. Lot, you know, and I think that's pretty cool. You know, and that goes back to how I used to, you know, I used to play a lot of Myst. I used to play like, and I, a lot of them, you know, yeah, the Myst comparisons early on, I think, were getting a little heavy. But, rapt, like, I think. but I think they're very accurate. I think yeah. that's, you know, that's the thing it reminds me most of is Myst and its progeny. Yeah. Um, and I played the crap out of this, but that game came out like 30 years ago. Right, but there's also there's a little bit of me that's just like, this is sort of like if you made an entire game out of Riven's marble puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> which, is like, which is not, you know, you either like it or you don't. Although there, is, there was a point where I decided I was, you know, I'd solved enough line puzzles, I'm going to play something else. But I went back to American Truck Simulator. <laughs> My girlfriend's like, you, you got tired of your new game already? I'm like, yeah, well, I just, it was just kind of tedious doing line. You know, I solved like 50-something line puzzles yeah. in like an hour. And I decided, to, she's like, so you decided to drive a truck down the highway <laughs> to break up the tedium? And I'm like, all right, you got a point there. Yeah, yeah. all right. But um, I don't know. I see. I see. If you're, I see what you're saying in the sense that like you're not into it, but like it. it so far, so far, and it's not. I do. So it, far, I it's like hearkening it. back to those games in the old days that I really enjoyed. Sort of, and I don't know. I mean, I don't have the patience. I mean, there's a there was a game on the Mac. I don't think I don't know if it was on the PC, but it was called Time Lapse, and it was like Mist. It was a you know a, a, a graphical puzzle game where you wandered through a world and had to solve like esoteric puzzles, and you had to. I mean, you had to take notes on. The sh- I mean, there was no. You, you you're going to have to do yeah. that, Matt. You're going to have to take notes. You're going to have to make yeah. drawings eventually. And, like, it's just, you know, and I, you know, at the time, like, that was, I, I would sit in my dorm room in college and do that all weekend. Like, I would do those games all weekend. And, like, now I don't, I don't know if I have the patience for that. When, when the witness starts making me do that, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to keep walking down that road. It or won't if be I'm, long. Or if I'm going <laughs> to feel like you do and be like, all right. Uh, uh, and here's yeah. the thing. Like, I do like the game. And I like puzzle games. But, like, I could never... Like review this game on an embargo. Like if somebody, I can't imagine playing this. If somebody had come to me and said, "Okay, here's the witness. You need to give your review to me in four days," I would have (laughs) freaked out, dude. I would have completely freaked out. Like I will enjoy this game for the next like year and a half. Maybe I never even finish it. But and here's here's kind of like the whole graphic says, Jonathan blowjob. (laughs) I feel like if I made this game, this game probably would have got like a six. Seriously, mm. if Shane and Matt made this game, people have been like, cool puzzle game. Cool puzzle game, bro. Probably the best <laughs> puzzle game I've played in a while, so, you know, it's six, seven. Mm. And yeah, that's probably right. Like, I, I admit that, well, uh, you know, as I figure things out, like, the thing about puzzle games, like a lot of people like about puzzle games, you solve the puzzle and you're like, it makes you feel smart. Right. So far, every time I figure out something, you know, there's been a couple things where I had to really kind of, you know, think around it and figure it out. And every time I've done it, it hasn't made me feel like I'm smart. It's made me feel like Jonathan Blow is smart. Yeah. And I'm no, like, that's what oh, I Jonathan Blow's really clever. That's really cool that he made that. And like, and I, and I'm like, I don't mind feeling that way, but it's a very different way of feeling. No, that's, a, it, when I would, I play that's what I don't think I would say about this game is you definitely think the whole time you're playing this game that whoever made it is a freaking genius. <laughs> and he probably yeah. is. I mean, he probably is. Between this and Braid, I think I'll, I'm okay handing him yeah, that. Title. I mean, his IQ is probably really freaking high, but that doesn't mean that he makes games that I enjoy playing for 
long stretches of time. I mm-hmm. loved Braid. I loved Braid a lot more than I like this game. I'll say that much. And I could sit and play Braid for long stretches of time. This game, I just can't do it. Like, literally, it's an hour max for me per session before I just, I just, like I said, I just don't care. I'm like, I don't give a shit if I solve the next puzzle. I really don't. And you know, I think what you are saying is kind of hitting the nail on the head. I think everybody, when they play this game, feels that way. They're like, whoever made this game is a freaking genius. That person is Jonathan Blow. And so, if a genius made this game, a genius needs to get a genius score. And I just feel like it's just getting inflated because of who made the game. And, like, just because you're smart doesn't mean that you make things that are mm-hmm. enjoyable. Well, it's interesting to see how, you know, in some ways I think the reviews on this game are sort of breaking the um, the thing that a lot of times people, like, use to get around the idea of, like, well, how come you gave, uh, you know, Dark Souls a lower score than this? And it's like, right. well, because it's not accessible. It's, you know, there's, it's hard. It's not, you know... Whereas this, like, I wouldn't hand this game off to most of my casual game no playing way. friends at all. Like, no way. No possible way. Like, yeah. you know, they would either, you know, the, the ones that aren't into puzzle stuff would think it was boring. And the ones that are into puzzle stuff would be would think it was repetitive. Yeah. And, like, you know, and I, you know, I'm appreciating it both from a, as a puzzle game and as a throwback. And as, like, I know how hard that kind of thing is to make. I mean, it's just like, you know, th- there's, there's a sense that, like, well... You're really giving this a high score, whereas like being so insular and targeted towards what it's targeted to has often been a detriment to other games. But this in this one, it's apparently what makes it great. Yeah, I'm having a problem. I would have a problem saying this game is great. I think it's a great puzzle game, mm-hmm. a great game. I think I would have an issue with ever saying that with a straight face. Well, I mean, I'm, again, I'm still early on into it because I was too sick to play anything like this for. You yeah, know, that's I, mean, def- I can't believe you played it that long when you were sick. Well, I played it all. Yeah, all I played it this was yesterday. Oh, okay. Um, when I felt better, um, but uh, like I could not have played this game with a fever. Believe you me, I just <laughs> not, it would have given me dreams. Yeah, I have to play really simple games whenever I'm ill. I played Mad Max. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's like no, <laughs> it fits no thought yep. required at all. Just. <laughs> Go to place on map and kill thing. Yeah. That was it. But, um, you know, again, I got to play more of it. We'll see how far I get in it. Um, I'm not really, you know, again, like you say, I'm not putting a deadline on myself on this game. I'm yeah. sort of like get, dipping in when I want to and coming out of it. Um, and, part, you know, I might not even have played it as early as I did, except I knew we were going to have to talk about it. And, right. like, um, it's the thing. You know, if you go to a place where there are game journalists or developers, everyone is talking about The Witness right now. Yeah, if yeah. you haven't played The Witness, you can't talk. It's like, it'd be like going to like, you know, it was like going to a party in December and you hadn't seen Star Wars yet. Right, it's yeah. like you had you you had no business being there, basically. Yeah, you stood in the corner yeah. talking to yourself, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of like one of those things I played to be literate in the thing. And, it, you know, I wasn't, I had no real... Um, expectations is negative or positive, and I'm like, oh, I kind of dig it. I kind of into it, but like again, two hours into it, yeah. I'll talk to you when I'm 30 hours into it, and I'm, you know, it might have become a grudge match between me and the genius of Jonathan Blow. Yeah. So forty dollars. Let's talk about that for a mm-hmm. second. How do you feel about that? Um, if I wasn't doing it for a job, I would have waited for a sale. Yeah, I would too. Sure. Yeah. But apparently, uh, I'm one of the few. Because well, it's selling real damn well. Well, look, he's made all his money back. He made well. He so he made braid, became rich, basically. Spent it all to make this. To make this, yeah. And now has made it all back and then mm. some. So he's made five million dollars in a week. Well, it's, it's what it sold the same sold more than braid in a year, 
in a week, The Witness sold more than Braid did in a year. Right. Yeah. At forty bucks. Yep. And Not bad. Yeah. So piracy apparently is a big issue. I don't know if it's any worse than any other game, but because Pro- it's probably John- not. Right. Because it's Jonathan Blow, and he probably torrent shit himself. Hmm. He's discovered that you know at least thirty thousand copies have been downloaded mm. illegally on torrent sites. Well, so. what he should have done is just you know I don't know how you do that thing where like you know a cracked version you know like, like the old uh, you make like, a dummy file right like Arkham Asylum um, uh, you know the cracked version of that they put a thing in where like it, where the the cape glide didn't work right. so he just flapped his arms yeah, and he couldn't yeah. get past it. Yeah, I think he should he should have put something in that just made one puzzle unsolvable. Yeah, just one. Somewhere in there, or like the second puzzle, or so. I mean, no, 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 no. You put it in. You put it like ten hours in, just when, to teach when them they, a lesson. Yeah, when they're invested, and all of a sudden you find out, oh, I can't actually complete this game. Oh, and by the way, that save file is incompatible with the, you know, the real legit game. version of the game. Yeah, and like, I mean, that that would be what I would have done. But maybe I'm a that's much fighting. Maybe, that's fighting evil with evil, though. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, really, what you just need to do. <laughs> maybe is I'm just, a meaner person than Jonathan Blow. All you have to do really is just flood the torrents with fake files. True. So that it becomes so frustrating to find the actual real game that you just give up and presumably pay for the game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's saying twenty to thirty thousand sales lost mm-hmm. to pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, so what? He it made five million dollars in a week. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like on, all one, that, on one platform. It doesn't seem inordinately more than average. Yeah, I would think. Yeah, the thing I'm interested in is. Um, I mean, it still isn't out for Xbox One, so right. there's a whole other platform for him to yeah, spread out. And to. iOS, right? You know, which is where piracy is not as big of a right. problem. Um, I tell you what, I'm interested to see is um, uh, Firewatch comes out soon. Firewatch is half the price of The Witness, and although it seems you know, like a similar, to, it's not a puzzle game. It's got a similar look and similar kind of wander around rural area and. You know, Figure do, it out. do a thing, yeah. kind of sort of. I'm going to be very interested to see what the sales are on that compared to the forty dollars witness. Well, I don't think it'll sell as well as the witness. Probably not because it's, it's not, not Jonathan Blow. Not Jonathan Blow. Because <laughs> there is like this thing built up around this guy. Well, like, Braid was really good. It was. It, it it was really good. Yeah. And so I can understand why he's built that pedigree. But there's a lot of people who have made great games that don't get the benefit of the doubt that this guy does. Like, yeah. Well, you've got to be Jonathan Blow or Phil Fish to yeah. really reap that whirlwind. Yeah. Uh, unless you're Phil Fish and you just quit. Right. Which he'll be back. Maybe. Eventually he's going to run out of money and he'll be back. At least I think he will be. I think he's still working on Fez too. He just, I, just th- I think he had to walk away from all the social media crap. Yeah. We saw this week Total Biscuit, the YouTuber, basically said he's leaving social media. I don't blame him. Well, I mean, Total Biscuit has uh, terminal cancer. Right. And if I was fighting cancer, I wouldn't be got, putting up yeah, with any Yeah, you got better things crap. to do, Dude, I'm sure. I, I can't believe he put up with any bull crap at all. I can't believe people would give him crap. How... Callist and inhuman are these people? It's the internet. He's fighting cancer. He has five years to live, and you're gonna go on the internet and say something mean to him? Like, you got it, Jake. It's the internet. Makes <sighs> Chinatown look like a. He should come to sifting. Is what he should do, or he doesn't have to deal with that crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the last topic of the big six. I'll be interested to hear your take on the witness. Maybe on farther on down the road, mm-hmm. once you get a little more playtime with it. Um, I, you know, I, doing a game eval for that game isn't coming for a long time. Like, I just. <laughs> I honestly don't know when I'll ever finish that game, if I'll ever finish it, but we'll see. We'll see who gets there first. Yep. All right, so let's talk about The Division. Closed beta has been happening this whole mm. past week. Uh, reports are saying there's going to be a more open beta coming um, next month for this game. So as you can see, I played it and streamed it the other day for a Sifted Hangout. Um, subscribers who maybe didn't see it and you just watch Game Face, uh, it's up on our premium content page right now if you want to check it out. It's about an hour's worth of gameplay. 
uh, me playing right from the beginning of the beta. So, yeah, what do you want to know about the the division, Matt? Um, the one thing I've, I haven't played it yet, but the one thing I have heard that worries me is that um, uh, there's some bullet sponge going. Oh on. yeah, oh yeah. I don't like that in my shooters, especially my shooters that say Tom Clancy on them. That was the playing through the beta, and first of all, I should say the beta literally had like one real single player mission. You could wander around the open world and kind of come across skirmishes here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was like one little thing I stumbled upon where there were guys, three guys with flamethrowers that were guarding these people in a cell. You had to kill the guys with the flamethrowers, get the key and unlock it and let them out. So you're rescuing like hostages, so to speak. But the beta, for the most part, really didn't have a whole lot of content to it. But mm-hmm. the one thing that I remark about the whole time I'm playing it in the Sifted Hangout is the bullet sponginess of the mm. enemies. It is ridiculous. Like, literally, I shot a guy in the head with a handgun from about ten feet away probably eight or nine times, and he just shrugged it off. Well, then I'm out. Yeah. Like, I can't deal with I mean, bad enough I mean, here's one thing I will say, is that that is probably the easiest thing to change in a game. Yeah. I mean, they could change that very easily. Like, if they get feedback from the beta, but here's the problem, Matt, like, a lot of people like that shit. Because that's what makes it, like, MMOE to them. I mean, look, I hated it in Destiny. But you liked Destiny. Headshot. Destiny peop- kills you instantly. Well, that's not true. Yes, it is. No. Yes, it is. I a can, headshot and death. I can the, show the- you the video game eval I did where I shot people in the head, like, three times, and they shrugged it off. Like, if you're a certain level you get, and you're fighting a level right, two enemy. Get, it does enough damage. I mean, you can, it does enough damage that you pop that head pretty quick. It I mean, depends. Is there, is there more damage done in this game if you're hitting the head than when if you're hitting like the center mass? I think. But you didn't notice. <laughs> There's no way to know. I, mean, well, I think it's very noticeable in Destiny that you're killing someone much faster if you're headshotting or in the well, case of Well, it shows you like the hit jammed. points rolling up. So yeah. it tells you like there's tactile feedback that lets you know that. But there were, look, there were constant. And look, I've played a lot of MMO. I played Destiny. I know what it's like to play an MMO quote unquote shooter. And I can't tell you how many times I would, like, unload a clip into somebody and go to turn to shoot someone else, just assuming mm-hmm. that they're going down, and they don't. It's I also think there's a, you know, I don't know what the hell the things in Destiny are made out of or what they're wearing or what they are. Yeah. What they are. And so, like, if you're going you to tell me that one of those monsters on Mars guys, those Warhammer ripoff guys, can, like, take three shots to the face from my machine gun? All right, sure, maybe. I don't, I don't know. But <laughs> that's a fucking dude. He's a guy, yeah. Wandering around in a hoodie. Who's got the flu? <laughs> who's been sick for two weeks, and like he shouldn't be able to take fourteen bullets to the head. Yeah, like it's I, I, that, that none of them are wearing armor. Him. They're wearing like a sweatshirt. Like yeah. So maybe, that's all. And, and I'm not saying no one else should play it because it does that. But I'm saying like for me, like especially in a realistic sort of looking thing like this, if like no, if the damage isn't realistic, I don't. That's going to throw me out of it every single time. It's definitely off-putting. There's no doubt about it. No two ways about it. It's something that bothered me about the game, and it bothered me from the minute I started playing until the minute I finished playing. Um, I'll play it when, it, you know, like you say, when the more open version of the beta comes up soon. But like that is a that is a giant red flag for me. Yeah, I mean, look. In all honesty, in my opinion, it reminded me a lot of Destiny. And look, you, you're right. Like some of the enemies in Destiny do have like armor or whatever, so maybe it makes a little more sense. And maybe their alien hide or whatever is tougher than human skin mm. or whatever. But still, at the end of the day, you're just pumping way too too many bullets into something. And uh, 
So that bothered me a little bit. I wasn't too surprised by it because I had kind of heard that already before I started playing it. Um, the most interesting thing to me about this game is kind of how it's split up. So you have like uh, your single player campaign missions that you go through and you have this safe house. Um, and there's three wings to the safe house. One's like medical, one's like combat, one's like defense or whatever. And you have to go out and rescue people and bring them back so that they take over that wing. So the first person that you save is this, like, medic nurse doctor. Once you save her, she's been held hostage. You get her. You bring her back to the safe house. She opens up the quote-unquote medical wing of your safe house. And then Ooh. from there, you can develop, like, new technologies for medical and all that type of stuff. And so there's three different ones. Very XCOM. It is, yeah. It is very much like XCOM. You're building your base and doing Ooh. that whole thing and recruiting people. Well, you're not really recruiting like an XCOM. You, they're like, there's this doctor. Right. Go get Put her and bring her back. So there's that whole part of the game where you're in this open world and you're rescuing people and you're grinding along and collecting loot and building up your safe house and blah, blah, blah. Then there's this whole other part of the game called the Dark Zone. And the Dark Zone is kind of like this open world, like, free-for-all. And it's, look, you, you, don't, you can't just wander into it. There's, like, this big gate that you go through... And there's, like, a, a vendor right inside that sells you stuff that, like, you can only use in the dark zone. And you take points that you earn in the dark zone back to this person where you, so to buy stuff to use in the dark zone. And once you go out of this little merchant place, you go out into this open world. And for and it's a beta, so there's not millions of people playing. So for the first, like, ten minutes I ran around, like, I didn't see anybody. I'm like... What the hell is going on? Like, where is everybody? Like, what am I supposed to be doing hmm. here? Like, I had no idea what to do or what I was supposed to be doing. Eventually, I turn a corner, and a guy starts running at me, and his icon is red. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, why well, don't we want to stand here and, like, figure <laughs> it out? <laughs> I just, like, hightailed it out of there and ran away. And so I was like, oh, well, maybe, like, that guy was a friend. I'm like, but he was red, so that probably mm -hmm. means he wasn't a friend or whatever. So as it turns out, how it works in the dark zone is, is everybody goes in friendly. Once you kill another person, you're considered rogue. You're, you have rogue status. And that's when you have that red, mm. like, icon above your, your head and, like, your health bar is, like, a different color and whatnot. And once you're rogue, like, you're marked. So people can, you can see that person on the minimap, like, moving around on the minimap. And so, you know, chances are people who haven't gone rogue might hunt that person down. So Killing a rogue doesn't make you rogue, I assume. No. No, they're the only people that you can kill without turning rogue, mm -hmm. is to kill a rogue. So, it's just anarchy. There's no, like... <laughs> there's no... Org the whole object of the Dark Zone is to get loot. That's it. And then be able to take that loot, I guess, back into the main campaign mm -hmm. and, and use it back in the other part of the world. But here's, like, the catch. Like, you can't just collect loot and all by the way if someone kills you they take your freaking loot but you can't just like collect loot and then run to the gate and go back into the other area like it doesn't work that way how it works is these helicopters come in and take the stuff away so periodically a helicopter will just fly into this this drop zone and ropes will come down and basically you walk up to these ropes and you like tie these canisters onto the ropes and the helicopter flies away with like your loot so I'll give you one guess what, what that means, Matt. That means that when a helicopter comes in, you go to where the helicopter is and kill all the people trying to put their loot in the helicopter. Yeah. Or somebody else kills you. Right. It's bas it basically turns into the ATM machine <laughs> from Grand Theft Auto Online. 
mm. before you figured out how to use a phone to like deposit right. your money. Like when I first started playing GTA on- online, I was like going to the ATM and just getting robbed like over and over <laughs> again. Then finally, like I don't even know how I figured out I could just deposit it using my <coughs> phone or whatever. There's no depositing on your phone in the division. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what happens. Like the drop zone just turns into this crazy like free for all where everyone's just killing each other. Sounds like somebody needs to develop Fulton technology. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the last man standing gets all the freaking loot. So I honestly don't know what the draw of that is. Like, look, I understand there's certain people that love games like Days and that whole like kill or be killed thing. Like, and it, look, it does build a lot of tension. But at the end of the day, it's just a crapshoot. Like, I hate anything that's random, especially something that I really care about and I'm dedicating a lot of time to. I hate when the outcome feels random. And when you've got, like, five guys circle strafing around helicopter ropes trying to, like, out-duel each other to get the loot, like, it just it just felt pointless to me. So, you know, assuming that that's supposed to be a big part of the game, and, I mean, if you think about it how... It sounds they- like that's probably intended to be the meat. Right. Because eventually you're going to finish the campaign. And mm-hmm. you're going to be left with the same conundrum you had with Destiny, with which I had. I finished the campaign in Destiny. I played it for another three hours and never went back to it again. So, and look, I hate to constantly compare this game to Destiny, but it's a great point of reference. Everyone's played it. They understand it. So it's a good thing to kind of relate this game to. Might be more interest- interesting if you went back and tried Destiny again now, because Destiny is very different. Right. And so, which means the division could be even further behind the curve. In that or regard. it could see what or Destiny did and yeah, I don't know. Learn its the lessons that Destiny learned without having to go through the growing pain. The Des- I am jealous of people that play Destiny now for the first time and don't have to go through the game we played at yeah. launch. And hopefully, the division. You know, I'm sh- if you're making the, the division, I can't imagine you didn't see Destiny and see those pitfalls. Oh, and, for sure, yeah. And instantly think like, okay, well, we got to avoid that. And look, I played Destiny. I finished it. You know, it wasn't a short game. It wasn't a really long game either, but it was a bit of a commitment. And uh, I wasn't reviewing it for any website. I mean, I was starting to work on Sifted at that point, but I pretty much just did it because I wanted to. And I enjoyed it. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't hate Destiny. I didn't hate anything about Destiny. But when I finished the campaign, a lot of people went on to, do a, to get a lot more out of the game, and I didn't. And so, in all honesty, like, I spent $60 for that game. I wasn't getting free games at that point because I wasn't really in the industry, so to speak. And I regretted spending $60 on that game. Hmm. I mean, looking at it as a pure consumer play, like, I thought I got ripped off a little bit for how much playtime I got out of that game for how much I paid for it. So there's a lot of people out there who have played Destiny. It's a very polarizing game. Some people really latch onto it and have played it for literally hundreds and hundreds of hours. Some people are like me who finished the campaign, filled around in the multiplayer for a little bit, and then bailed. And so, for those people, I just want to kind of raise the flag a little bit for The Division, because it is that kind of game, mm-hmm. where the campaign is fun, and look, I like the world, I like how when you walk past people, you hear them complaining about all the crazy stuff that's happening in the world, about how, you know, there's no food or whatever, people beg you for, like, candy bars, and, you know, I like being sunk into that atmosphere, and I feel like it's going to be enough to get me through whatever amount of single-player content they give me. But if the dark zone is what is there to keep me playing after I finish that, I could see it being a whole repeat for me of Destiny, where I finish the single player, I play enough of the dark zone and the other options to make sure I'm qualified enough to evaluate the game, and then I move on. And, you know, a lot of people only buy a couple games a year, and they mm-hmm. look for games that they can get a lot of playtime out of, and if they're like me and they don't like to grind because i can already tell there's grinding in this as well um i played it for 
probably ended up playing it for a total of like four or five hours. I played it. The first hour I played it all was on this stream, so some growing pains in the beginning of it. But then I went home later and played some more of it. And I mean, I only ended up going up like two or three levels the whole time. So it's not like kill a guy, go up a level, you know, assign attribute points. It's it's a grindy, even right from the beginning in the beta. So I don't know what to really make of this game, Matt, to be honest with you. Hmm. I mean, I will say one thing. I am kind of disappointed in that it's, you know, from what, what it was announced as, at least in my opinion, how I took the game, it did not end up being the game that I thought it was going to be. Um Take that for what it's worth. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I wish it it was the game that I wanted it to be because I think I would enjoy it a lot more. Certainly not the game I thought from looking at what was presented previously. Well, there's also all kinds of stuff that they showed in that initial debut that isn't in the game. Like being Mm -hmm. able to like open up a car door and use a car door for cover, like all that. Like I haven't seen any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like you can't even like shoot out the windshields in cars. Like. And graphically, I mean, you can see it here. And look, I had to play it in 720p because Twitch. Mm-hmm. And uh, because our TriCaster is 720p. But it doesn't look anywhere near as good as that debut. And look, I get it. The debut is on a PC, and it's probably running on a beastly PC. And I have not played the beta on PC to know just how great it looks. I have looked at some footage from the PC version, and it it's not where mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be. It's not be. that trailer. No, no. And I don't think it ever will be. So I, I mean, I thought it was going to be like a kind of a, a take on the Destiny idea, but I didn't know they were going to go this far with it. And I thought it was going to be like MMO hyper light, <laughs> like ultra yeah, light. But like it just, I don't know. Just but it's really at, more of an MMO than yeah, anything. Looking at this thing, I really expected it to be more Tom Clancy than MMO. And it's it's I don't get any Tom Clancy out of this. No. There's a gun. Yeah, there is a gun. Shoots, <laughs> but I expect a certain level of you know realism in terms of how much damage a bullet does yep. in Rainbow Six, and I don't see that in this. Not just with the bullet sponge enemies, but like I don't see the the terrain or the the environment damage that like this engine was. Here you can on. see I try to shoot out a window. Yeah, it looks about standard window damage for a video game. <laughs> like I don't. I don't see that as... That doesn't look any better than normal to me. Well, I mean, most games you can shoot out windows out of the cars. Like, that one will never shoot out. (laughs) Like, ever. But, like, there is some damage. Like, here you can see I shoot the car and, like, the hood pops up. Hmm. But, like, the window never busts out. It's just a decal, a sticker on on the glass. Yeah. And, like, the you know, I shoot the car, it doesn't catch on fire. Like, yeah. Well, that's realistic, actually, but... Well... It's not fun. It's not fun. <laughs> well, you shoot a car in a gas tank, it's going to catch on fire eventually. No, probably not. Really? Mythbusters couldn't get that to happen. Wow. Bullets don't spark. I haven't watched Mythbusters since like the second season. Bullets or don't like spark. Yeah. It's, it's a, that's a whole thing people forget. Even that's if a, they hit metal, they don't spark. Yeah, that's Hollywood. Not a surprise. So, yeah, I, I just wanted to share with you guys. And again, look, this is a beta. It can improve. You know what Matt was saying about bullet sponges? That is a very easy... That's the easiest thing you can fix, yeah. is how many bullets it takes to kill somebody. I mean, one so, hopes that that's one of the things they were looking at, and yeah. this is like, well, do the, do the people playing it think it's too much, too little, too little? Yeah. And that's what the beta's for. And so, you know, this beta, I guess they got flooded with, like, requests, and, like, the people who were on, like, the waiting list only got to play, like, a day. 
So they're going to open up a beta, they're saying, for next month. And so I hope a lot more people get on that mm -hmm. and that they're not all huge Destiny fans. <laughs> <laughs> and when they give feedback... I am a Destiny fan, so I guess yeah. we'll see. Well, you, you said you, that that was too much for you. So yeah. so hopefully they get the feedback if, and the if players If they were like, alien demon monsters, it would be different. Yeah, yeah. That's just a guy from Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't take that many hits. <laughs> I know that. So hopefully everybody else plays it here in the next month and they give their feedback to Ubisoft. At that point, though, there's that's a really short window of time yeah. from that beta to release. And so I'll, I'll probably try to play it on my PC because I'm interested to see if that engine is going to on your on beast something. of a PC. Yeah. yeah, I would like to see it as well. So that's my impressions. Again, I played about five hours of the beta. The single player part of it, literally, I finished in about 40 minutes total, something like that. Um, the mission objectives in the single player were pretty simple and repetitive. Like they were all like rescue the hostage or just kill everybody. Mm. Um, so we'll see a very, very small slice of the game uh, for both the single player and the dark zone. So again, take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt. Hopefully you guys can all get into the beta in a month and uh, share your experiences with us on Sifted. So that's it for the big six. We do have a trailer of the week this week. It was a hard to decide this week. Um, some weeks it's pretty easy and obvious. Sometimes I think you made the right reaching. pick, though. Um, but yeah, so this week's trailer of the week Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens. IGN did a really cool thing with it where they did a side by side comparison video with the original Force Awakens trailer. Pretty darn close. Yeah. They did a really good job with it. Uh, that's also on Sifted if you want to check it out. IGN did a great job with that. So yeah, no, nothing really to say to, to intro this. No. It's a Lego game. It's based on the latest Star Wars movie. Let's roll it. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? Cut off the end there Where the little robot comes out It's mm. okay It's okay That's an awesome trailer though Yeah it's good stuff I love how they took like Some of the real serious scenes From the movie And just put their little spin on it and... I, I've, I think that was the first When I saw that trailer I think that was the first time I realized like You know what like, I was like Oh all this stuff is iconic now It's like it's part of the pantheon Yeah Like you know This is Star Wars as well you know? And uh, it all worked real well It all worked nicely uh, if you have questions for us, start uh, yeah. start putting those in the chat now because by the time we finish this little conversation, they'll probably pop up with a delay. So and you saw the movie, uh, right? I did see the movie, yeah. And uh, 
I really, really liked it, mm-hmm. but I was also disappointed in it. Yeah, I, I really liked actually, it. Actually, I just realized we've never talked about the Star yeah. Wars movie on the show. No, I really liked it, but I didn't love it. Um, but I do love the three new characters. Yeah, I'd uh, agree with that, too. And uh, I hope we get more Poe Dameron in the next movie, because he's great. Well, they're saying he's going to be like the first gay Star Wars character or whatever. Could be, but I... I I mean, my favorite scene in that whole movie is him and Finn in the TIE Fighter. Yeah. Like, I, that little, the banter there was... I, I remember I, I thought, oh my God, it's Star Wars. Yeah. Like, they did it. Yeah. And then... What I liked was the... And then it, yeah, it was, it's kind of, it never gets back up there again. Yeah, yeah. What I liked about that scene, though, was how good he is in the next yeah. fight. Like, yeah. I was like, holy crap. I can like, fly anything. Yeah. yeah. He was good. He's so, very good. Yeah, I mean, look, there was lots of parts of that movie that got, like, me going. But... You know, I come back to what a lot of people complain about it, and that is the same freaking movie all over again. Like, oh, there's a lot of good differences, but my main problem with it is it, it very. It's it, I think it's the worst edited of all seven, uh, and I think it shows very strong signs of having a lot of stuff cut and added and moved around at the last minute. You know, there was a, clearly a lot of uh, focus testing, and I think some of it went too far. And uh, you ended up not having the world as it stands 30 years after Return of the Jedi explained very properly in a lot of places. Because I think they were absolutely terrified of talking about senates or politicians or yeah, world yeah. building or anything like that right. after everybody made fun of that in the prequels. But everybody forgets that in ep- the original Star Wars, the first third of it, they talk about diplomatic yeah. missions and ambassadors and white yeah. guys sitting around a table talking about senates and dissolving and local governors keeping yeah. systems in life. It's like politics have always been part of Star Wars. It's all about <laughs> presentation. Yeah, I just, I just, just really disappointed it was the same damn story. Like, I just, I walked out of there and I was like, I, What? Like, why would they just reuse the same, like... Well, here's the thing. I don't think they did, but I think it feels like they did because you had a Death Star equivalent. I think the whole Star Killer... No, 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 no. It's all the same. Like, Ren is Luke. She's like this young person who doesn't know she has a Force, realizes she has a Force, realizes she's great in the Force, goes off to train with this Master Jet. The whole movie's the same damn thing. Like, the heroes, if you can't hit, take the hero's journey, get the fuck out of the Star Wars kitchen. Like, uh, it's, that's, you're being it's, too defensive of it. Well, no, I'm not, because I'm, I'll criticize as much as I want, but that is, I mean, if you expect anything different from the episodes of Star Wars, you're, you're going to be disappointed. I will be disappointed then. I definitely expect new stories. Like, I felt like I watched the same thing over with different characters that's swapped mytho- in. You know, that's, you know, it's, 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 you know, I hate to quote George Lucas, but it's, it's like poetry. It rhymes. And, like, you, uh, you have the, you know, yeah, Rey is, is a Force-sensitive from a desert planet, uh, but she doesn't want to leave. Because her family's coming back, as opposed yeah. to Luke, who has no, you know, has family, but he wants to get away from them. You know, yeah. it's it's that kind of thing where it's like, you know, you've got a you've got a bad guy who, uh, is, you I know, mean, wants I, to be bad. I'm not going to go into this but too like, much, but, but he wants are, to be bad, but he's pulled towards the good. Like, it's, there's you're, you're more than just that, though. There's just there's like 30 instances of where it literally just completely copies the old movies. Like, it, I can be There's a lot of nostalgia this. stuff, you know, like, as they call, as they say. Look, there's nostalgia, and there's plenty of that as well, just like the little nods, which I was totally fine with. But there's then there's ripping off, like, the original films. And, you like, can't really rip your own stuff off, but, like... Well, he, this isn't a, a George Lucas film. Well, it absolutely is ripping it off. Well, yeah, you can tell that because it's good. And, <laughs> it, but it's, it, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of fan job in it, as they say. I'm and that, fine but with that's that. also what the, the fan service but, I was okay But with. that's what you hire Abrams to do, basically. And I think, clearly, judging by the box office, it worked. You know, yeah. it got people to love Star Wars again. I'm just explaining why I liked it, I didn't love it. Right. I liked it and didn't love it for very similar reasons. I think the, you know, I think the Starkiller thing was badly presented. But, like, you know, it was a really good start. 
Yeah. And it's a movie that really it wasn't bad. It really knows right. it really knows it's part one of three yeah, as well. Yeah. And so it sets up a lot. I'm hoping. And I agree with on. you. I like. I didn't really like the new Darth Vader, but I did like Ren a lot. Like mm. I think she's going to be a great character. Ray, Ray sorry. Ren is I the new Darth Vader. Yeah, exactly. Kylo. Ren. I like. I think he's got a lot of potential. I hated that guy on Girls. I always thought his. I always thought he was acting on Girls, like his weird like meter, mm. how he talks. He's a weird dude in that show, and I always thought it was just him acting, but no, it turns out like that's just him. Like he's yeah. just a weird guy. But um, and I already didn't like him, so seeing him in that, I didn't know he like again. Before I went to see this, I had watched the first trailer, and that is it. And like over the holidays, like I didn't go see it when it first came out. Over the holidays, I did peek at like Rotten Tomatoes just to see its aggregate score. I didn't read any reviews or look at a quote or anything, and I saw the ninety-five, and I was like. Yeah! Oh my god! I was like, I cannot immediately. Like, I had not planned on going to see it until like later in the week. That day, I was like, we're going now. I'm like, Mm -hmm. we're going to see this movie right now. And so that was probably a little bit too of why I was like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. Like, it's the same damn thing. How many times have you seen it? Just twice. Yeah, I liked it much better the second time. Oh yeah, yeah. I could see that because you focus on different things the second time, right? Yeah. And the first, yeah, I had to come out of the first one being like. Wait, what about that? Wait, what about that? Wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. Because, I mean, I don't... Almost no... There's almost no scene that goes by in that movie. I'm like, hey, but what did... You know, that right. I don't have some kind of comment on. Right, right. But, like, the second time when I can just watch it and not be afraid that it was going to screw right, up. Right, right. You, know, yeah. you know, I'm in three, three prequels. I'm watching this movie waiting for any second now. It's going to turn off into the left, the left turn into midichlorianville, and we're going to yeah. go off the rails. But it never did. And, yeah. you know, and while it wasn't the greatest Star Wars movie ever made, it was uh, good enough. Good enough to start. I'd agree with that. Good enough. Let's see if we have any questions here. We, we, we asked for questions about an hour ago, and they're just now rambling on. I'll sub-level. I think it's Shane's birthday today. It, actually, my tomorrow. birthday is tomorrow, but what time is it right now? Eight. So in about four hours, it's my birthday on yeah. the West Coast. I guess technically... I mean, I a lot of people, Coast. it is your birthday now if they're watching from Europe. Yeah. If you're on Facebook, it's probably saying that it's my birthday already. So yeah. So yeah. My birthday is pretty much here. Thank you for any well wishes you give me. Uh, let's see. Any questions? Now everyone's debating about Star, about Star Wars. Wars. This is what we did. <laughs> this is what we've done. Oh, that's funny, yo. I think we just totally sabotaged yeah, the, end uh, of the what, show. Squishy Muffin wants to know what you're pl- currently playing and quick thoughts. I think we talked about what you're currently playing. Oh, yeah. We just definitely talked about it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, wait, what else am I playing? No, I'm playing, yeah, I played, I'm still playing Xenoblade Chronicles X, <laughs> <laughs> which I'll probably still be playing, like, a month from now. Mm. But, yeah, I've been playing uh, The Witness. I've been, pl- I've been playing, obviously, The Division. Um, what else? Oh, XCOM 2. I'll be starting that up probably tonight, Yeah, I think. it should go live soon. Yeah, I didn't get that early, which sucks. But um, uh, Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm waiting for XCOM 2. Meanwhile, playing American Truck Simulator um, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, Dragon's Dogma. And the witness, I Dragon's guess. Dogma. You go. Did you not play that when it first came out? I did, but I, I just loved it. It was all it janky, jankiness, and everything. I, I, I'm up to seventy hours on the PC version of that game. I finished them in the post game. I'm doing all that. <laughs> I love that game, and I, and like every time, if you, you can list all the terrible and stupid things about it, and I agree with you, but I just love it. Yes, yeah, he. Uh, yeah, I, I loved it too. No, and everyone at GT loved that game. It was one of those like. Uh, Critical darlings, I guess. It just mm. never really sold all that well. I'm glad they finally gave it another chance, though. Yeah, it's so much. It's much better on the PC with a solid I'm frame sure. rate and everything. I'm sure. Yeah, because it would go to like oh, 10 would, yeah. or 12 frames a second. Yeah. 
and even even that with like the CinemaScope bars, yep. like you know, <laughs> yeah. shrinking. Now it's just like full screen, full everything. It's great. It's running like a beast. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And, I don't see any yeah, Vinaraba is correct. Is correct. American Truck Simulator is is uh, is cool, but like Euro Truck Simulator Two with all the mods is such. It's way. You know, I'm just like I'm trying not to play it all that much because I'm waiting for the mods. The mod community doesn't make that game great. Yeah, that's Jordan's question. What are your impressions? What do you think about the current plan to expand state by state? Um, I wish it was faster, but like they did such a good job expanding Euro Truck Simulator Two that I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I hope they can get. Through the southwest a little quicker, because like, um, look, like just just crank Arizona and New Mexico and everything out and Utah out. They're just it's a just, big flat it's just big open. Anyway. Yeah, like, get me get me to the south. Get me to the end of Route 66. Get me to Chicago and, and Pennsylvania and yeah. those states to give me something different to drive through. Because yeah. Cal, I mean, I love California. I live, live in California my whole life, and they did a great job simulating California. Someone who has driven. Top, bottom, left, right, all over California. I've been everywhere in the state where that is simulated in this game, and they nailed it. I mean, it's compressed. Obviously, the roads don't ma- connect up the same way. But like when I'm driving down like a particular highway in American Truck Simulator, I know what road I'm on without looking at the GPS. Like it's they they nailed the look and feel of what it's like to drive through California. Getting look, really big review scores. Surprisingly yeah, it's, big. It's cool. It's of course, like it's, course like... is big. It's American Trucks, son. <laughs> How you think we do here? <laughs> Um, but I hope they get you know most of the United States. I hope you can get to the point that we're, you know by the end of the year maybe we can do a cross country drive. Yeah, um, that might be a fun hangout for sure. <laughs> Just drive it. You know, it, 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 a little desert busy. Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Just you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. I know you. You look at me funny when I bring that game up, but like no, you, not you know, at all. No, I understand the, the lore of games like that for sure. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you like to play like laid back, like take it easy games like that. Yeah. I totally and understand. The it. streaming, you know, that was the best thing about Euro Truck Simulator was the the streaming radio. So I, like, you know, I, I spent an inordinate amount of time. Just listening to Polish rock, like <laughs> I didn't even know driving. that existed. Oh, it, every imaginable. I mean, I thought in Poland all they made was polka I would, music. My two main, my two, my two main uh, uh, stations in Euro Truck Simulator Two was a station that did Polish rock, Polish hard rock, and um, a station that did Swedish country, <laughs> which is I would love to hear. It's that. astounding. It's it's only fantastic. for a short while though. <laughs> uh, let's see another one from Gus Bricker. What's up, Gus? Uh, are Shane and Mac going to do a twenty six? 2016 game draft. We already did it. It's already archived up on Sifted. In fact, Matt, you have, you're you really strong out of the gate here. XCOM, XCOM 2. XCOM 2 is reviewing through the roof. <laughs> Conversely, <laughs> so we draft the very next day, EA, or maybe it's two days later, EA does its financial report and basically says that Mass Effect Andromeda is only confirmed to come out for fiscal year mm-hmm. 2016, which very well means it probably is launching in like March of next year. I said. Which means it looks like my second overall pick got a goose egg. That may be too much to overcome right there. We'll see. I got I, I got know. some I got some long shots in there too. That one hurts. Not for coming out, but in terms of like how I think they'll do. That hurts big time, man. So yeah, it's up. The we've actually put it out as a separate video mm-hmm. this year. It's archived on the premium content page on Sunday. And Gus Bricker, yes, you do have to park an American truck simulator. You get you don't have to, you can skip it if you want, but if you park it you get two versions of parking. You can park it hard way, where you have to like back the trailer into where they want it, or you can just easy, where you just sort of drop the trailer off in their yard, and they both give you like higher or less experience points for it. Thanks for all the birthday wishes. I'm seeing pouring in here now. I really appreciate it, you guys. Um, 
as you get older, you care a lot less about your birthday. <laughs> in fact, you just kind of hope people forget about it. You're I like, care about mine. I'm, I'm uh, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. So yeah, I'm, that's right. I always yeah. I forgot. You're always like you always follow me up yeah. like a week later. Valentine's Day. Yeah, my birthday is always like right around the Super Bowl. So there's been a couple right. years where the Steelers won the Super Bowl on my birthday. In fact, one year the Steelers won the Super Bowl on my birthday. We put off going out to my birthday dinner until the next day because it was a Super Bowl. We go out to eat at the Wolfgang Puck restaurant in L.A. And who walks in to the restaurant? Santonio Holmes, the Super Bowl MVP from the day before. I don't know if you remember, <laughs> mm-hmm. but he made that insane catch at the corner of the end zone. Yeah, that was what we watched at the right? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, the next day, the Steelers Super Bowl MVP walks in. And I get to go up and talk to him and congratulate mm. him and blah, blah, blah. Wolfgang Puck wished me a happy birthday that year. That was awesome. So not so much with this year. No. <laughs> Steelers just didn't make it this year, but uh, we'll still enjoy game. the Super Bowl. You'll be fun to watch uh, Denver get destroyed. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm rooting for Denver, but I just I don't think it's going to happen. All right, uh, question: Fantasy secret announcement at E3. Shenmue Four. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, fan, just fantasy, like no basis in reality ever. Uh, um, EA announces they're bringing back X-Wing and TIE Fighter. Well, that's a good one. My fantasy could very well happen. Fantasy Star Online 2 or 3 for the West. Mm. I'd even take 2, which my is already out in my, Japan. My girlfriend's playing 2 right now. Yeah. Like through a proxy or whatever. Right, yeah. And it, it, that game's crazy. I know There's it is. There's so yeah. much stuff in it's that A lot thing. different than it, the original yeah. one, yeah. That's, that's, that is, it is a robust piece of software, sir. I yeah. will say that. And I can't, I'm, I'm not good at playing stuff that I can't, under, you know, I, 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 it has to be in English, I'm just an old man that way, but yeah. like, I watch her play a little bit, and it's just like, it's, the amount of stuff you can do, and the customization's crazy, you, can, you know, you can take all your accessories and all the stuff that's on your character, and you can scale it and rotate it and however you want, so it doesn't clip between itself, and all that. there's a so far much cry stuff. from your little mag that would fly around yeah. following you. <laughs> Super different. So I'd take two, but a new one would be even more awesome, made specifically for uh, the new consoles. Uh, let's see. I think that's it. Looks like all the questions we've got. Yeah, there's little questions about Star Wars, but I think we got into mm-hmm. to that enough already. Will we see another DS Vita generation? No. Definitely won't see another. Uh, no more PS PlayStation handhelds. Definitely no sure. Vita. I mean, I think we'll. I don't think Nintendo's going to abandon the handheld. No, I think it'll be part of their NX platform. Is what yeah, be. but. I don't, after that, I don't know. And they'll support the 3DS for years and years to come. Yeah, maybe a couple more. After. I mean, it'll, they'll just there'll be 3DS versions of things that are yeah. on the NX. But yeah, I mean, handheld gaming, pretty much going away. I wish they would really put like a D-pad and real buttons on a mobile phone. That's interesting. <laughs> Short raver, Fantasy E3 wish Chrono Trigger Chrono Cross sequel. You trust Square Enix of today to make that game? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't either, actually. Also, I'd like to play it before I'm well, I don't 50. know. They're still making pretty good turn-based RPGs on 3DS. Yeah. And also, if they announce it this year, like, do I want? am I still going to want to play that when I'm 50? Because that's when it's going to come out. Yeah, you're right. So. <laughs> good point. All right, that's going to wrap it up for tonight's show, as always. Thank you guys for uh, hanging out on the stream with us. I know some of you guys are in Europe, and it's late. So we really, really appreciate it. Again, thank you all for the birthday wishes. And I saw some for you, too, in the chat, Matt. Mm, Happy birthday. So we appreciate it, guys. 
Hope you guys have an excellent weekend. We'll be back next week. I think Matt and I should be good. We're not going to die or get sick no, again in the next four or five days. At least I hope not. So we'll see you guys next week. Have an excellent weekend. Game Face is up and out.